Recording live from the Black Lodge, it's me, the free will burning, head turning, ass kicking, machismo dripping, master podcasting, mouthpiece of the Southeast, uncontested superstar of the airwaves, and your reigning and defending podcast champion of the world, Brandon A. Lane, bringing you another edition of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast. As we enter the fifth year of the show, I can't help but reflect on the films that we've covered previously, being that they've been almost exclusively horror with an occasional musical detour here and there. However, tonight, we're going to bring you action, adventure, science fiction, martial arts, war, comedy, and a fuckload of ninjas. Yeah, that's right. Tonight, we're going to crown a champion in an event we're calling the The Cannon Cup. Cup. Me and my cohorts, we're going to pit genre versus genre, movie versus movie, in a single elimination bracket tournament to decide once and for all which film produced by the legendary Cannon Group reigns supreme. But first, here's some messages from our sponsors. Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Visit our website at monstersmadnessandmagic.com to stay up to date on all the dark dealings within the sanctuary of the strange. Enjoy the show. In the late 1970s, two Israeli immigrants with movie-making dreams would set their sights on the land of glitz and glamour known as Hollywood. By the early 1980s, they had carved out a cinematic niche that 40 years later has yet to be filled. Tonight, we salute not only the American dream, but also the duo who chose to chase it at all cost. Menachem Golem, Yoram Globus, and the insane films they produced. Tonight, we crown a champion. Tonight, we decide which film wins the, the Canon Cup. Cup. In our qualifying round, myself, Fat Tony, and Fat Fuck Scott will each choose films in eight different categories. In our Western division, we have horror slash thriller, cop slash military, comedy slash other, and rounding our Western division out, we have the incomparable Charles Bronson. The possibilities of war to be waged on the Western front are going to be extreme and exciting, but let's not forget our categories in our Eastern division. We have the immortal Chuck Norris, sci-fi slash fantasy, martial arts slash ninja, and the bread and butter of canon, we have action slash adventure, eight categories, 22 films, but only one can stand above them all. Only one can win the canon cup. Let's get ready to Kumite. Alright, Rant Army, the Cannon Cup is upon us. Myself, Fat Tony, and Fat Fuck Scott have all agreed to the rules, and we are willing to draw blood defending our picks for the ultimate Cannon film. Civilly, of course. He says. Before we get the ball rolling, we need to take a step back and talk about what makes a Cannon movie a Cannon movie. So let's talk about Oof. the things that you look for and what makes a Cannon movie a Cannon movie. Tony, start us off. Awesome violence. Stupidly, ridiculously, uh, um, 
able heroes. Let's face it, Charles Bronson was in his like what <laughs> mid forties. He's a slutty middle aged dude, kill killing fucking teen to young twenties gang members, titties, mm. and not always. I mean, you have like your Superman fours and your family films. Basically, it's they. I, I say this with the most respect. They appeal to the baser instincts in all of us in the best way possible. Scott, what do you look for in a canon movie? Well, that logo at the beginning usually is what sets it up in a <laughs> film. But, uh, it, it's, true. It's Very the true. ultimate schlock thing. It's, it's, you turn your brain off, you expect to see two things, lots of violence and lots of nudity. And you get a lot of those with these films. And I, I love it for that. Like Tony said, you just turn your brain off and go. Uh, pretty much everything that you guys said, I 100% agree with. But there is also one thing that you gotta, you have to attribute to a good canon movie, and that is writing a good trend. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, you're absolutely right. Whatever was popular at the time, We're they piggyback the hell out of they it. Had, they had already made three <laughs> films about it before before it could run out of steam, hell and then yeah. they were off into like whatever the next thing. Are there any canon movies that you guys particularly don't like? Like the monkey gorilla kid movies with the oh oh, oh I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh. I, I like my parents rented that for me one time, Home Alone Sick, and I can't remember the name of the movie. It was in the document. I didn't give two Is shits it, about. I didn't give a shit about their family. It's movies. like Dom Dom, Dom DeLuise, correct? Yeah. yeah, isn't it called Going Bananas? It's, I think yeah, that's it. It's, it's, that's it. It's something like that. It's yeah, really bad. That's it. The one that comes to mind for me is Superman Four. May I interject with my story? Please, what, please do. what year did Superman Four come out? Do you remember roundabouts? It would have been. It would have been towards the the 80, late eighty-seven. Oh, eighty-seven. Okay, yeah. that still would have put me at six. My entire family, but me, went to see that in the theaters. They left me with my grandma. I have never. And then when I found out accidentally what they were doing. I've never been more hurt and betrayed in my life. And I was through such a fit, my parents took me. And I was young enough to enjoy that movie. That's it shows you how, like, because I'm, I'm, I'm older than Brandon. I'm way the hell older than this dying yes. baby over here, Scott. But, um, <laughs> like, I made them take me to because I was just so betrayed because I wanted to see Superman 4 in theaters because I was too young before. As oh, a f- it's a bad fucking it's, movie. It's horrible. I hate Superman anyway, so it's nothing for me, but it's Fuck rough. You. As a Ugh. kid, I loved Superman 4 yeah. because he had Radioactive Man or whatever, Solar yeah. Man or whatever to fight uh, against. Do you know that there's an entire, basically an entire second movie worth of footage that they shot? I did not know that. So, originally, uh, that film was going to have an entire segment of like the proto version of Solar Man. And when the film underperformed, they had like an option to like to do Superman five and they were just going to take that footage and like, well, fuck, here's another one. Um, but <laughs> the rights reverted because it did very, very poorly. That's the gist of it. But there, there is all this semi-released footage, but no one has the original cut of Superman four, which is like 30 minutes longer of, you know, more schlock. Speaking of original cuts. Before we get too far, I need to call out um, Eddie Shepard. 
current and and, and Travis Lasseter and Travis Lasseter Dick Eddie from Sister yes. Podcast yeah. Wrestling Ruin. Oh shit! <laughs> um, I do believe that the only true way to determine who the true Wrestling Ruin podcast champion is is to pay Sonny for dick ratings. I'll pay out of my own pie. I'm saying this right here on the podcast. I will pay. For the dick rating. Oh, my God. Just so this is known to God, country, and everybody in between, this was my idea. And because they have... Because a man of vision. And I am confident in, oh. my, in the attractiveness in my penis to reclaim the title that I never really lost. Oh. And I have to back Brandon up here because, as I just told him today from an ex-girlfriend of hers, we're dick twins. A little bit. Uh, like, same shape and size. I got a little girth on him. I'm just saying. That's because you're fat. I'm, well, even my dick is fat. But either way, we're five I do have, I do, What's going on right I now? do have to back up Brandon that I believe oh his penis is glorious enough to reclaim the championship that is rightfully his. I, and just because all- you're married or engaged, you know, if they really loved you, they'd support you. You know what? Um, I'll rate your penises free, guys. I'm a dick expert. So Are you saying I'm not? Oh, listen, wrestling wrestling have no, you, I'm not. Have you seen? Have you seen most of the 1995's locker room's penis, Scott? I think not. Maybe you don't know my life. Okay, fair enough. That's true. <laughs> he's right. gone through a lot. He's high mileage. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on to to what we're here for, and that's the Cannon Cup. And I want to state this: this is all for fun. The way that we're determining uh, the one movie that will rule them all is completely non-scientific. We have uh, several different divisions, and each of these films have been uh, given a random position in the bracket, which uh, Fat Tony's going to be keeping track of. But we're going to start off with horror slash thriller. And Scott, if you'd be so kind to read off the synopsis for your pick for best canon horror slash thriller film. Um, Mine was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, the synopsis, chainsaw-wielding maniac Leatherface, played by Bill Johnson, is up to his cannibalistic ways once again, along with the rest of his twisted clan, including the equally disturbed Chop Top, played by Bill Mosley. This time, the masked killer has set his sights on pre-disc jockey Vanita Stretch Brock, played by Caroline Williams, who teams up with the Texas lawman Lefty Enright, played by Dennis Hopper, to battle the psychopath and his family deep within their lair, a macabre abandoned amusement park. All right, Scott, you got two minutes on the clock. Tell me why you are defending Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in three, two, one, go. I'm already going to get hated right out of the gate. I do not like the first film. Um, I find the documentary way more entertaining. Tony's about to lose his shit already. Um, I lo- Brandon made me go out of my way to watch the second one, and I did, and I loved it. It is over the top. It is fantastic. Let's be honest. It is way more comedy and ridiculous than the first one, which is the first one's very, very serious. Almost like Evil Dead. You can draw that parallel there. Um, but... <sighs> It's just a fun film. Even my wife enjoys the second film, and she is weird. So, yeah, I, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh, the characters are all insane, but you remember every single one of them. Um, I love you. Bye. Click. I yield my time. Uh, Real quickly. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Real quickly. Rosemary's Baby told- sucks, too. You're, you're <laughs> stupid, and you're fucking wrong. 
and I no longer worry about your health as much as before. I told my my stepdaughters that I would hide a hidden Easter egg in this episode. I'm going to leave $40 in my bottom drawer on the left side of our dresser if you listen to this. I did, I did tell them that. But no, he's stupid and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the best horror movie. Also, of all time. Tony's daughters, I'm on the way right now if this is over with to take that money. So it's no, not there, you know it, it won't happen until after the, the air date oh, of this well, episode. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Scott and I should gang up on you and just take it from you now. For four, uh, yeah, <laughs> for you, you got it to fucking do. This motherfucker's dying of everything. <laughs> Old man disease hey. ever, and you're like five foot nothing. I'll keep both. Still, hey, hey, I'm five hey, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm am, I am almost five eight. Brandon <laughs> almost put on an oven med to open a twist top beer, which <laughs> I've been giving him shit about because we also recorded our maniac episode. <laughs> but I love Brandon. I, like I said, I would kill for Brandon, help Brandon hide a body, no questions okay. asked. But let's continue. All right, my- go. My pick, an outraged police detective, Charles Bronson, skirts the law to catch a killer of women. My choice is 10 to midnight and three, two, one, two minutes on the clock. So, okay, I love action movies. I love horror movies. I love slasher movies in particularly. A wonderful thing happened in the uh, the early 1980s. Somebody had the idea to blend the two together. When a one film in particular that I really like is the 1982 Chuck Norris film Silent Rage, which is kind of like Halloween, but instead of Donald Pleasance chasing the escaped Michael Myers with a gun, it's Chuck Norris chasing an escaped loony with roundhouse kicks. Fucking masterpiece. That being said, Canada didn't make that movie, so no matter how much I wish they had, I can't defend it. My choice, however, is the a film that Canada did make. It's an action horror masterpiece that I'm ashamed that more people have not been properly made aware of. This is a top-tier slasher, and I say that with no hyperbole in my voice. This is 1983's 10 to Midnight, directed by the great Jay Lee Thompson. Now, Charles Bronson plays a cop named Leo Kessler, and he's sort of a straight-edge cop, you know, you know, older... By the book, you know, working, working these, uh, working the angles very legitimately, but he's pushed to the point of breaking because there's an investigation of a serial killer who hit, who hits a little too close to home, and he just he's got to make sure that uh, his daughter, who has been targeted, is not taken on. Now, we see the killer elude the police <laughs> and outsmarting them at every turn, and he creates this commotion just to have this eye. You know, this eyewitness account of him being everywhere, just being discarded because he's getting everything done. Um, stop looking, you're making me nervous. Uh, as police uh, swarm the car, uh, killer uh, Kessler like blows him away because he's been pushed to his limit. Um, you you get to see this handsome like Ted Bundy style killer elude the police and he kills in the nude which is just like fucking random and, and scary in of itself and f- for four seconds I yield my time. Oh, I like seeing naked guys kill women. No, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Silent Rage is the I, superior. Uh, All right, it's my turn not, now. Not, not a can of movie. All right, Tony, what is your choice for the best? Life Force. When a space mission involving American and British astronauts encountering alien craft, the humanoids within are brought aboard the shuttle. Back on Earth, one of the extraterrestrials' best hits of all time in the movie, who appears to be a gorgeous woman, Mathilda May, 
proceed to suck the life force out of various Londoners, turning the town into a city of roaming half-dead people. When Tom Carlson, Steve Railsback, a surviving astronaut, realize what it is, what is happening, he sets out to stop the ruthless alien president presence. Okay, you've got two minutes on the clock. Defend Life Force as the best horror slash thriller movie made by the Cannon Group. We have fucking space vampires in one of the best shot movies of Cannon's whole oeuvre. We have literally the best breasts in all of horror fiction ever, and that's including was it Deborah Voorhees, oh, Deborah Sue Voorhees, yes. and, and uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Five. We have an amazing zombie movie out of fucking nowhere, like the whole of London, England destroyed. <laughs> we have fucking gore. We have Toby Hooper's like third or fourth best movie. It is fucking amazing. It goes bananas, and it ends in just such an amazing way. I yield the rest of my time because I don't need it. Okay. Now that we we have a three-way time, which means that we're going to now vote for which movie of the three do you think should be eliminated. Scott, we'll start with you. Which, Which of the three do you think is least deserving to move on to the next round? Your uh, your uh, your uh, Silent Rage wannabe is pretty. <sighs> Love some Bronson, but it's not one I'd put up there. <sighs> Mostly because Life Force was my second pick for this, so I'm very biased as well. All right, so your your pick, <laughs> just so we're clear, you're picking Ten to Midnight. Ten to Midnight has got to go away. It's a great movie, but it's not Life Force. <laughs> Text Chainsaw Master 2, rewatchable good. Okay. Tony. I want to say this off the rip. Charles Bronson is a fucking legend. <laughs> I love your pick as a movie, but it has always been second to Silent Rage to me in that kind of genre. It's so a I'm, better movie than Silent Rage. It is a better movie. Hey, you're, okay. It is not a better horror movie than our picks. I have to pick... Ten to midnight. If you put it in the cop category, okay. I've been conflicted. All right. Well, see, that puts me in the in the driver's position to where now, because my pick has been eliminated two to one, that I have to cast the vote of which of your two is going to go on. I get that. That's fair cool. enough. Now, Scott, you made a lot of valid points. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Two is a lot of fun, but is it a horror movie? You could definitely make those arguments. Life Force. Um, those tits, man. Those are fucking <laughs> those, those tits are fucking fantastic. That's You've got Patrick Stewart giving an incredible performance. Yeah. Um, but at the, adversely, you've got fucking Dennis Hopper giving an amazing performance. Completely in- over the top. Chainsaw battles. Hey, the Leatherface uses his chainsaw as a penis, basically. Come on. Come on. If I, those booty shorts. If, if I gun to my head. And even though, and it's Toby Hooper versus Toby Hooper here. Yeah, it really is. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Uh, gun to my head. If I had to pick, like, what film I wanted to watch more right now, titties aside, I'm going to have to go with Texas Chainsaw I'm Massacre. I'm not yes! mad about it. I'm not. Holy crap. I, I would have bet money TCM with the light No, I, and, you know, I'm not even mad. Like, I couldn't find an argument against his choice of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's a great movie. It's not scary at all, but no, 
No, but it's a fun. It ain't movie. got no tits in it, queer. I'm just playing. That's horrible. <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> I am a strange individual. I will take. He is stride. odd. All right. So our next category is cops slash military. Uh, we have a lot of uh, interesting uh, picks to make in this, Oof. and I've, I've I've already got the 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 deck stacked against me. But uh, Tony, read off your pick. The synopsis. Motherfucking cobra. Los Angeles police, <laughs> policeman Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cobretti, Sylvester mm. Stallone, finds himself at the center of a spate of murders carried out by a secret society called New Order. Killers who select weak members of society for extermination. As the murder rate rises, Cobra takes a model, takes model Ingrid Brigitte Nelson, Nielsen. Mm. Into protective custody after she witnesses the New Order's leader in action. As Cobra falls for Ingrid, they find shelter in a small town, but must soon fight for survival. Okay, you've got two minutes on the clock. Give me your pitch for why Cobra is the best cop slash military movie in three, two, one, go. It is the most motherfucking insane cop movie of the 80s. Bar none. There's nothing stopping it. You have a group of serial killers targeting people. You have a fucking match-chewing fucking Sylvester Stallone killing motherfuckers off the rip at a grocery store, protecting his soon-to-be ex-wife, a future wife slash ex-wife. Like, it is, like, it's, this, this is cocaine the movie. Mm. Barn, like there is no other way to describe it. It is can it is my second pick for all time best canon movie ever. You can't fight me on this, even if this doesn't win, it still wins in my heart. <laughs> if you don't believe it, you're fucking wrong. I yield my time. Alright. Fair <laughs> fair enough. Okay. My pick and I'll read the synopsis first so to see if you can figure out what it is. Five years after Major Scott McCoy, Chuck Norris, resigned from the U.S. Delta Force due well. to the bureaucracy issues, he returns with Colonel and uh, Alexander Lee Marvin to take down the Lebanese terrorists who have hijacked a Boeing 707. Terrorist leader Abdul Rifi, Robert Forrester, takes the crew and passengers hostage as he reroutes the plane to Beirut. When McCoy and Alexander attempt to save the hostages, once the plane lands, they are forced to do battle of a terrorist group larger than expected. Two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. The Delta Force starts with an exploding helicopter. That alone makes the movie kick ass, but if you insist on your films having a quote-unquote <coughs> plot, the Delta Force also delivers on that front. Unibrowed sweaty terrorist hijack <laughs> Flight 282, but there's just one problem. Chuck fucking, fucking Norris and the Delta Force. By the way, when Chuck decides to rejoin the Delta Force, it's 2.32 in the morning. He's eating a big-ass plate of eggs. He's drinking a Budweiser, and he's in a horse stable like a goddamn man. Anyways, the terrorist, one of which who's played by Robert Forrester, he's so fucking white, it's not even funny. Um, but he's very convincing. I'll give him credit. And he takes this blonde German flight attendant um, to, to task, and he basically... 
wants her to identify the the Jewish passengers on the plane, and he kicks the dog shit out of her until her inner Nazi comes out. So <laughs> she has she is forced to name names. The plane lands in Lebanon, and now a number of the terrorists uh, goes from two to like a dozen. The Jewish passengers are whisked away in jeeps, and the plane takes flight again. Um, should the plane need fuel at this point? Absolutely, but fucking disregard that because this movie has to keep going. Uh, the final stretch of the movie is suspenseful. It's action-packed. Believe it or not, it's actually well-acted ch- uh, chase scenes, explosions, machine guns, scuba diving, scuba diving scenes in sewers. Chuck Norris shoots a dude hiding under a bed and quips, Sleep tight, sucker. With his glorious mullet blowing in the wind, Chuck Norris rides his rocket-launching motorcycle until, against the entire terrorist fleet. He jumps his motorcycle through a window and shoves old glory a.k.a. a missile up Robert Forrester's terrorist ass. God damn, I love this movie. If you don't pick this movie, you are a piece of shit pinko lipped hard titty baby. USA, USA, USA. <laughs> like five seconds to go. Okay. <laughs> It's like, we argue for our films. Brandon gives you the entire damn film in like two minutes, or at least tries. It's some of so the, good. Some of these movies only have two minutes of plot. I mean, you know, it's hard to argue. <laughs> All right, um, Scott, there's no need for you to read your synopsis oh, because you um, also picked uh, a... Hold on, a hold film. on. All right, you got two minutes on the clock. You ready to go? Three, two, one, go. Crime is a disease. Meet the cure. It was supposed to be Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, and he turned it into this phenomenal masterpiece of, like Tony already said, cocaine-fueled amazingness. Um, if I, I love everything about Chuck Norris. I love Delta Force. Great but movie. if you don't pick this, you might as well turn in your man card, tuck it between your legs, and walk out. Cobra. I yield the rest of my time. Oh, this. <clears throat> All right, well, I... Yielded, yes! Okay, well, it's, yes! it's two to one. I love Cobra. So, on paper, I have been defeated once again. It, with that being said... Well. Hold on, hold on, before you're right there. Whoa! Based uh, on the arguments, would anybody like to change... You know, I love Delta Force. Delta Force, but it's not even my favorite canon military movie. It doesn't have shit on missing in action. So, no, I don't want to yield... Scott, I have two Norris films already on my list. That we're I have two, one too. So I cannot yield right now. Although your argument was really good, it was great. And I'm not I a pink well, communist by any goddamn means. <laughs> I'm a red blooded American. Damn it. I'm a libtard, but you know I'm not a pinko. <laughs> All right, fair enough. And uh, just for the reference, uh, just to put this out there, my uh, Facebook profile pic is uh-huh. me drawn as Cobra. So yeah. come on, I even even I found it hard to argue against Cobra. I think so, you honestly just picked that so you'd have a reason to argue. No, I do, dude, I genuinely, I genuinely <laughs> love. Is a great a great movie. Movie. He has a motorcycle that shoots rockets I'm at say people. This. Okay. I'm going to say this. You had the best argument. Oh, we yeah. had the best movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is supposed to be building arguments. God, well, well, you're we, wrong. We, <laughs> use, we, just, we don't two, have to write our shit down. We're going to okay coffee. arguments beat your great argument. Okay, our next up. Mob rules. <laughs> if you listen to fools, the mob rules. Oh. Burn. I threw Dio back in your face and you couldn't I mean, handle it. I was about oh. to say it. All right, our, our next category. It's comedy slash other. Now, let me give a little bit of... This is, 
This is everywhere. Other co- covers a lot of ground when it comes to canon films, but uh, when we were coming up with the the brackets and the, the you know, basically the, the genres, it was like, it was really hard because, yeah. all, you know, the bread and butter basically was action movies. And then there's so many subcategories between that. We, we figured we'd throw this out there in the hopes that we could get some uh, comedies in there, but also the potentiality that in these uh, weird ways that like, we're going to argue different films that like the potentiality of uh, Cobra in, one crossovers. being in a, a fight against Cobra in a different uh, bracket. There's the possibility there. That being said, um, Pizza Delivery Boy, Gary, Lawrence Monison, Loudmouth David, Joe Rubo, and Hunky Rick, Steve Anton, are three high schoolers out to lose their virginity any way they can. Gary falls for transfer student Karen, Diane Franklin, who gets involved with Rick. She also tries to fix Gary up with her less attractive friend, Rose, who's played by Kimmy Robertson of Twin Peaks, mind you. Um, when Karen gets pregnant, Gary accompanies her to get an abortion and Hot. thinks that his concerns have won her over, only to find out she still pines for Rick. All right. I got two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. My pick for the greatest comedy in the history of canon is The Last American Virgin from 1982. This was marketed as a comedy, a madcap sex comedy in the vein of, of so many that came before it, like uh, Animal House and, and things of that ilk. But this movie is going to be historical in the sense that it's not a comedy intentionally in the sense that they wanted it to be. But let me back up a little bit. This was Israel's biggest hit film. This was a film <clears throat> called Lemon Popsicle. It Like 40% of the population, if you rented it out by the amount of people who bought tickets, that's who saw this movie. They made it for uh, American audiences. And this film is so fucking adverse to its what it's shooting for because it's going for that kind of Porky's kind of vibe but this is the most depressing film ever made you have Lawrence Monson who you may remember as Teddy from Friday the 13th the final chapter being basically a cuck he gets cucked so fucking hard he Diane Franklin who has fucking eyebrows the size of caterpillars which is a which uh, a very Lee Marvin-esque um they she she uses him to get an abortion because her boyfriend breaks up with her and then he turns around and gets back with her and f- all at the expense of fucking uh, Gary. And the, the the funniest part of this movie, the reason this is the best comedy, at the very end of the movie, as the credits scroll across his tear-sopped face, Gary cries and... And the fucking soundtrack goes, and he drives away for like... And this is like a five-minute scene of him just driving as the credits scroll across his face. I did not see this movie as a kid. I saw it um, as an adult, uh, thanks to you, uh, to Technical Advisor of the Podcast. But um, I have to say, I have never laughed so hard in a movie in my life. Four stars, Joe Bob says, check it out. Uh, two seconds left <laughs> in the clock, people. What the... F- I've what? seen it. I know everything. I've never. There's also he's also forgetting the part where he after the abortion he brings like a small Christmas tree evergreen and a bag of oranges because I guess in Israel, Israel that's culturally significant but does not translate. Like what the fuck is this psycho bringing me? And I totally get her decision not to get with him. 
I'm but yeah, saying, I, no. I, I, I had that in my notes, but I just didn't have time to, to get it's it. It's a, a lot to unpack. I don't blame you. Okay, and speaking Jesus. speaking of a lot to unpack, uh, Tony, you have a uh, a. A, a choice that is uh, going to probably fly over the heads of some people, but I'm, I'm awaiting you to defend it. But if you please read oh, the God. Um, the synopsis for your pick. Lady Chatterley's lovers, uh, lover. In this D.H. Lawrence adaptation, Sir Clifford Chatterley and Mitchell returns home from war severely injured and impotent, causing tension in his marriage to Lady Constance Chatterley, Nicholas Clay, which I realize Anne and Nicholas. Anyway, Clifford gives his young wife permission to seek a lover from the upper classes, but Constance becomes ill from the strain of caring, caring for her husband. A visiting nurse recommends fresh air for her recovery, which leads in... Leads her into the arms of gamekeeper Oliver Mellers Shane Bryant. All right, you got two minutes on the clock. Lady Chatterley's lover, defend it. Three, two, one, go. Listen, I know this isn't going to win. This is a hard <laughs> choice, but we, I would not let a cannon cup go without an unashamed non-porno porno titty flick. This was Skinamax before Skinamax was a thing. They were exploitative to their core. If they're exploiting kids for Superman 4 using recycled spe- as special effect shots and a bullshit plot, this was still... They gave you tits. They gave you ass. They gave you amazing costume design, which, like, I'm unironically <laughs> saying, like, the set design and costume design are on point in this film. You have to give pro. You have to. I, somebody had to acknowledge the legacy of titty flicks and titty flick history started by Ken. Maybe not even started, but definitely proliferated. I'm kind of drunk right now. I took a couple extra shots of shit in We did a podcast prior to this. Um, but no, absolutely. It is one of the best shot, best acted, best designed titty flicks of all time. Suck a dick. I yield the rest of my time. I don't know how to work this fucking thing. <laughs> Uh, All right, uh, Scott. Tony was right about one thing. That definitely ain't gonna fucking win. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I knew it. I right. just, I your 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 <clears throat> argument was was greatly the way you went from titties and ass to costume design like just completely threw me. I love right I mean, to be, no, to I'm not be, wrong. To be no, he is correct. It's yeah. a period. It's a period piece, and I mean, this is based off of like really. Lady Chatterley doesn't date it at all. No, Lady Chatterley is a okay. famous work of literary history. Okay, uncultured. Swan. I am. And they, I am. And they injected it with uh, what what people want, and that's nudity. <laughs> all right, yeah. All right, Scott. Um, read me the synopsis. This synopsis should be way longer. The movie is way deeper than what's written on this page. But I will read what is given. Okay. <clears throat> A trucker, played by Sylvester Stallone, yanks his snooty son, David Mendenhall, out of military school and goes to Las Vegas to arm wrestle. That's the synopsis? That is the That's synopsis. No. All right. You okay. got two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Over the top. <laughs> First off, Sylvester Stallone's name is Lincoln fucking Hawk. And that right there should sell you on the entire film. If it doesn't, fine. He's a badass long-haul truck driver who is trying to win his estranged son's love back 
from his his wife had died, and he was being raised by Robert Loggia. Being Robert Loggia. And at the same time, teach him to be a man on the road, how to be a man and stand up for yourself and not let everybody push you around and tell you what to do. And fuck Robert Loggia. He's amazing in the film. But it's about arm wrestling. How much more manly can you fucking get? All y'all suck. Okay? <laughs> Seriously. See, I know I have any fucking backing. Over the Top's an incredible film. If you don't back it, then you're a pinko commie and you're a lady friend. Go. Uh, I yield my time. I'm sorry. I forgot the rules. First of all, I'm a lady friend because I support women. I couldn't say what I was going to say. Something horrible that it I was probably would have an insult. Up on. I bite my thumb at you, sir. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we each have. Robert. Oh, <laughs> This is hard. Bro. I mean, y'all just go ahead and eliminate me. Well, I'm going to vote first. I'm way more interested in your film. film. <laughs> I, I'm going to cast my vote of which of the three that I would eliminate. And what this is hard is you're supposed to eliminate it based on the criteria for the genre, but it's other. So, well, and and uh, what's the criteria? Here? You you've halfway made my argument for me. Um, man, I love titties, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I really did just when show it, my titties. When it comes to to uh, like uh, above and beyond nudity in, in canon films, despite the fact that this is basically like you said, a Skinamax fl- flick, it's not gonna it's not gonna dissuade me from the, the there. There's other breasts in canon films I would much rather see. A life force. Life force is. Mm. Definitely you, up there. You've already used the breast card today, so you can so, pull it out twice. So I'm going to have to pull it out all at once. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have oh. to eliminate Lady Chatterley's Lover. Scott, what, what's your what's your pick to eliminate? I mean, I've never seen either one of these films, but yours sounds. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever actually want to watch either one of these films. Honestly, it's so like, funny. That one sounds. It's about abortion. Okay, I don't um. Uh, on. You know what? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be weird here. I'm gonna eliminate yours because it's about abortion. At least that one has great costume design and lots of nudity. Wow. It's Caligula. Okay. All right. <laughs> so now what we're we gonna do? Wow! I Three did not here. expect to be in this position. So basically, this allows you this happen. you to make uh, the, the judgment the, call. The judgment call. I hate to say this. I got two kids. I love titties. I hate kids. I'm eliminating myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just play it. I'm sure your kids are fine. I hear half of them are okay. But I have seen Last American Virgin. I brought Lady Chatterley's lovers into this just because of the underrepresentation of titty flicks in the canon oeuvre. Yeah, I'm going to say that a bunch because I'm I'm drunk now. Yeah, now we're talking. He yeah, took off his sweater vest to re- reveal his Golden Girl shirt, which is awesome. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. He doesn't have COVID. He's just dying from every other old man disease <laughs> at like 30. Continue your argument. Your movie, like, honestly, there is a bitter poignance to that movie, even though with a cultural, like, gap between, like, Israeli and American audiences 
And, you know, it's got Teddy from fucking... Part four. Part four, man. I'm going to have to eliminate myself, although I will maintain Teddy should have to be represented in a... Okay. Talk about canon. So, are, for the record, does that mean, are, are you choosing over the top, or are you choosing Oh, do record? I have to choose? You have to over choose. Over the shit. top. I'm yes! sorry, I love you, but over the top. I thought I was right just now. eliminating myself. What is going on? I didn't know it would come to me to choose. Over the top, okay. It's a I, fun I'm movie. insulted by Terry your... Terry Funk isn't over the top. I, I had to say this. I'm insulted by your synopsis of that movie, too. <laughs> I really saw this in theaters opening weekend with my whole family. Like, this man arm wrestles for the future and, and love of his son. Yes, he gave him part some wrong lessons when they're like pinball, like yeah, arm wrestling as a kid. Like, I, I actually do like. Last American Virgin, like, unironically, it is depressing. Like, I don't watch it for a laugh. I'll watch it when I want to be in a weird, bittersweet mood. Over the top wins. Hands down, bar none. I am very biased. My dad I love you, Brandon. So I'm sorry. I keep, we keep living in your how many, choices. How many, how many times has your dad took, it took you away from your, your mother? Again, just you to, don't to, know my life. Just to have, just to take you across country for a uh, Maybe uh, I wrote that film. You don't know. I think that movie came out before I was born, but I don't maybe know I wrote about Scott, but I had a great relationship with my dad, and I still wish Sylvester Shalom from this movie would have been I'm my so, Yes. I'm sorry you don't fucking, find... You know why? Your last name would be Hawk. Okay? <laughs> that is awesome. Gotta, I'd be drowning in pussy right now. I'm sorry you don't find abortion as hilarious as I do. <laughs> Dude, you're... The funniest part... The way you sold the funniest I'm part of the movie sad. is the credits when the dude's crying. It's so... It is one so his, funny. Only it one is, of his two kids is good, so I'm, I'm finding abortion funny. I'm just playing, Bree. If you listen to this, I'm sorry. Oh, she will. Oh, oh God. We have made so much. Oh, uh, we've hey, made so much. Honestly, I like every kid. I like every picture you post on social media of Cass and what's the other one? <laughs> Luna? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm drunk. I'm sorry, Bray. <laughs> Both your kids are good. I'll ignore Brandon. But over the top, I'm sorry. It it, it, it kind of sunk Canon Films how much money they put in this. It, it absolutely did. And I tell you what didn't sink Canon Films. Last the last American, American version. You're right. God I, I, Brandon, hey. But I still won. So yeah, I'm going to lose this next one. <laughs> I know I am. All right, did you add one. over the top? I put over oh, the top. Oh. I'm so excited for this next one. I'm going to lose it. All right, this one's near and dear to my heart, and we're going to start off with Scott. What is the greatest canon Charles Bronson film? Read your synopsis, Scott. When architect-turned-vigilante Paul Kersey, played by Charles Bronson, returns to New York City, he discovers that one of his friends has been murdered by gang members. After the cops bring Paul in for questioning, he receives a tempting offer from the police chief, played by Ed Lauder. Paul can free, have free reign to eliminate the gangsters as long as the police get the credit. Paul agrees and goes to war against Manny Fraker, played by Gavin O'Hurlihy, and his vicious gang of thugs. All right, you got two minutes on the clock. Death Wish 3. Three, two, one, go. We literally just got done reviewing this film. I love this film. Um, in my opinion, this is the best out of all the Death Wish films, just because it's, it's that perfect peak of over-the-top insanity, but it doesn't go quite over the edge. It's like a Richie Blackmore solo. It goes all the way to the edge and stops. It has titties. It has 
over-the-top, crazy violence. The dude gets killed by a fucking rocket launcher. Like, <laughs> point blank. It's After bragging, he's wearing a bulletproof vest. <laughs> it's a bazooka, not a rocket launcher. Oh, my God. Kill somebody with a rocket oh, launcher and Sorry. Uh, it, a woman dies because her arm gets broke, Okay. That's how amazing this film is. And you know the way they, they don't even really explain it. They just kind of like, yeah, bone bone fragments. Yeah. It's an incredible film. It's well acted for the stupidity involved, but it's the perfect level of stupidity. And I love it. I yield the rest of my time. <sighs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, and I apologize for oh, that. And I didn't even mention because the fucking it, no, soundtrack. No, no, there's a difference. Bazooka and rocket launcher are not the same fucking things. He kills a guy with a rocket launcher in part four. Bazooka in part three. God, sorry, but forgot. he kills a guy with a cannoli in part four. All of his, all of his years of military training. I forget. Sometimes Brandon has flashbacks and has to correct people. My bad. My bad, dog. Vietnam. All right. All right. Uh, Tony, what is your choice? Read the synopsis for your best Charles Bronson canon film. Relocating to Los Angeles from New York City, vigilante Paul Kersey wants to start a safer life for himself and his adult daughter, Carol, who was raped years earlier and still suffers psychologically from the attack. But trouble finds Kersey. His house cleaner, Rosario, Silvana Galdaro and Carol are both gang-raped and Kersey's owned by a gang of thugs and Rosario died. <coughs> Kersey hits the streets, hunting down criminals, refusing to stop until L.A. is safe. Oh Alright, you got, you got two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, death wish two. Okay, here was my art. I'm gonna pull an audible. I choose death wish three. Y'all have convinced me. My the reason I chose Death Wish Two is it doesn't start so over the top. It does him trying to start over, and then the oh fuck you we're still gonna do everything fucking horrible to you. <clears throat> I was wrong. I'm admitting on this podcast for the only time in my entire life, <laughs> Death Wish Two was the wrong call. I I know Brandon's like looking daggers at me because I'm breaking the whole structure of his podcast. I might still go with your movie, but Death Wish Two is the inferior movie. You, won't. <laughs> you didn't go Death Wish Three. Are you? Uh, I yield the rest of my time. Damn. All right. Real quickly before you start, this is just a compliment to YouTube gentlemen swaying me. <laughs> it takes a lot <coughs> to convince me I'm wrong, but YouTube both I'm did. Sorry, Good golfing. job. All right, here's my choice for the oh, greatest man. Charles Bronson canon film. Straddling the cultural divide between East and West, Kangente stars Charles Bronson as Lieutenant Crow, a hard-boiled Los Angeles cop who objectively is compromised when a case he's investigating hits close to home. Crow re-examines his prejudices when he forges a friendship with a Japanese businessman whose daughter he's saved from a child prostitution ring. An unexpected tragedy will lead... Uh, the out for justice crow into uncharted waters as he pursues the murderous pimp known as Duke in this edge of your seat crime drama. Hold on. I got 
Two minutes on the clock. My choice is Kinjente for Forbidden Subjects. Now, there are ty- two types of Charles Bronson films. There are films like the original Death Witch, which critics uh, would call a film. It's well shot, it's well acted, it's got a script that's multi-layered, it makes you ask questions about the morality of its subject matter. Then there's awesome movies like Death Wish 3. And it's an exciting and fun, uh, but the the th- you know the plot's paper thin, but it's just it's ridiculousness for the sake of ridiculousness, pure entertainment. Now, Congente Forbidden Subjects is somewhere in the middle, both sleazy and sophisticated, in both <clears throat> striving for narrative depth by tackling real world concern, uh, real world concerns of like human trafficking, sex, slavery, um, and this is like pre Epstein, so this is even more relevant now than it is then. Um, it, Surrounding the idea of this whole divide of sleazy and um, and uh, sophisticated, I, I can't help but point out the the greatest scene in the history of not only canon films but the greatest scene in all films ever. Charles Bronson forces a pimp to eat his own wristwatch at gunpoint. I'm, I do you really need me to say any more than that? This one moment is better. <clears throat> Than any moment in Death Wish Three, mm. and and I will stand by that. This movie is smart. It's well acted. It has uh, basically uh, the idea of your character have an underlying bias and somewhat of uh, racism, and he confronts that. He has a character arc, and I yield my time. I don't even know why you say it. Like there's like ten seconds less every time you do it. So. <laughs> I'm the only one man enough to give up significant chunks of time. Um, so that leaves us with basically you've switched your argument to I Death, hate it. Death Wish Three. Would anybody like to change their argument? Yes, I forgot about this movie. I'm sorry, Brandon. I'm going with you. Kajente Forbidden Subjects is a superior movie. I, I, I honestly, no, I'm. I gotta switch. Oh, I gotta double cross myself. <laughs> triple cross. I'm double crossing Scott, triple crossing myself. Kinje- I go Kinjente. Well, it's finally nice to win one. Fuck you, I'm Scott. Sorry, I'm Scott. gonna stick to my gun just because hey. if I had to. Yes, it's a better film. How do you spell it? If I had to. I don't care. Kinjite. K I N J I T. Um. It's it's a, if I had to choose like which movie I'm gonna go home and just sit down and just watch. You're not gonna pick Kinjente. I refuse to believe you, got me you went the up. superior choice. Here's but, the, here's the thing on. as as the Charles Bronson connoisseur of of this trio, um, I own both movies on Blu-ray and um, I paid a lot more for Kinjente. <laughs> I'm sorry I have sex with women and I have money to buy shit, <laughs> but we're also forgetting the evil that men do. White Buffalo. Let's not get a, go down a Charles Bronson round. White, I'll win that fight. White Buffalo is not a canon movie, but I get I, 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 I get Charles what you're Bronson. If I was going to pick Charles Bronson movies, it would Once Upon a Time in the West. That would it would be yeah, that, or I it mean, would be the original Death Wish. There's no bad choices. There's no bad choices. But I will. I do have to give Brandon credit for this. It was a great argument. Well, I, thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't even get to talk about how a fucking sexy ass Peggy <clears throat> Lipton, who uh, has a has a role uh, <coughs> pre Twin Peaks, and then we also have a pre Baywatch Nicole Eggert. Um, uh, pre blown away blow, uh, with uh, the Corys because she shows her titties in that movie. Yeah, circa nineteen ninety one or ninety two. That was an SLP like late night Cinemax record. 
All right, we're we're hitting our stride, guys. We're moving into our Eastern Division, and this one, this, this one's going to be a rough one. <laughs> basically, this one is going to be us all three choosing different things, and each of us having. Uh, Rightful claims to it. I mean, yeah, there's I mean, no wrong answer. I don't think there will. Yeah, this is action hard. slash adventure. We're starting off with Tony. Read uh, your synopsis. Wait, action? No. You have Firewalker. And, and okay, you went down that way. I thought it was Chuck Norris. I read it wrong because see, they both fit. Yeah, because my action slash adventure is a okay. Firewalker, two explorers, Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett brave jungle hazards to find an epic Aztec, to find an Aztec temple filled with gold. <laughs> epic Aztec temple. It is epic, and he left that out. Start. All right, Firewalker, three, two, one, go. This was one of the most fun movies of my childhood. You got Louis Gossett you got Chuck Norris, you got the fucking South American action adventure fucking gold of canon movies. This is a perfect fun. No, it's not bloody. There's no tits. It's not. This is like this is all the fun and goodness that uh, Superman Four should have been, but wasn't because you know. Again, this is. Oh my god, damn it! I don't know even how to explain this movie. There's no action adventure. This movie tip. When I think adventure movies in my head, it's like this and one of the movie that's not a canon movie. So, yes. I yield the rest of my time, Firewalker. Okay. My choice is Ever in Search of Adventure, explorer Alan Quartermain, Richard Chamberlain, agrees to join the beautiful Jesse Houston, Sharon Stone, on a mission to locate her archaeologist father, who has been abducted for his knowledge of the legendary minds of King Solomon. As the kidnappers, led by sinister German military officer Brockner, who's played by the great Herbert Lom, journey into the wilds of Africa, Alan and Jesse track the party and must contend with fierce natives and dangerous creatures, among other perils. Two minutes on the clock, King Solomon's Mines. Three, two, one, go. Now let me get the obvious out of the way. King Solomon's Mines is a definite ripoff of the Indiana Jones movies. And not just because John Reese Davies is in both of them. That being, as I said, and as blasphemous as it may sound in 2021, if you put a gun to my head and told me I only got to watch one, mm-hmm. I guarantee you I would have watched this over Indiana Jones back mm-hmm. back in 1985. Mm-hmm. Case in point, in the first two minutes of the movie, dude gets impaled on spikes. Screen legend Richard Chamberlain stars as Alan Quartermain. He's been hired by hot as fuck pre-beaver shot Sharon Stone to find her father. And within minutes of the duo, they enter the city. She gets kidnapped and released like five times in the span of two minutes. It's fucking great. Alan Quartermain falls to a skylight. And uh, the dude by the name of Kazam, not the genie, not the shack genie, but a a character named Shazam, he breaks Kazam's table. And he's like, my table! And every time he says it, it makes me fucking laugh every time. This movie is funny. It's so funny that that's the thing that separates it from the Indiana Jones movies. Is like every joke 
in this movie fucking lands like gangbusters. This is like if if Laurel and Hardy had made an adventure film in 1985, this is what it would have been. There's so much fucking shenanigans that happen in here. You've got um, them getting uh, caught by natives. They put they get them put in a giant fucking vat and like a, a cook uh, a pot, and they rock it and they roll down a hill and there's a den of hungry lions and and they get in King Solomon's mines. There's a giant fucking spider and then there's a fucking monster in the water and it tries to eat people and then they get held over fucking uh, waters where there's hungry alligators and then there's a scene where fucking so they okay Alan Quartermain is on top of a fucking airplane and Sharon Stone flies it with her eyes shut and he kicks a dude in the head while hanging from its wing this movie is fucking fantastic it's action packed and Alan Quartermain plus <clears throat> it gold is a good single that disqualified it went bad now I'm just fine <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, your your choice for best action slash adventure movie. Read the synopsis. This was a really rough one to choose, um, but here we go. Colonel James Braddock, played by Chuck Norris, survives a brutal stint in a Vietnamese POW camp, but he believes that even after the war ends, enemy forces are still secretly holding American men captive. Eventually... He is tapped by the president to go overseas and search for U.S. soldiers who went missing years ago. Once in Saigon, Braddock learns that his suspicions are correct, so he teams up with a reckless fellow veteran, Tuck, played by M. Emmett Walsh, and stages a violent rescue mission in the jungle. All right, you got two minutes on the clock. Missing in action, number one, three, two, one, go. Much how he just said that King Solomon's mind's a ripoff of Indiana Jones. This is a direct ripoff of Rambo. You know why? You know why? Because it was both based on the same treatment as Rambo 2, written by James Cameron. It was floating around Hollywood at the time. Shake your head all you want. I did the research on this one. <clears throat> written. Fuck it. How are you doing right now? All right. It's one of the most successful Cannon films of all time. By 85, it made $24 million. It's literally, instead of Rambo, it's Walker, Texas Ranger <laughs> in Saigon, roundhousing. I can't say that word because I had to change it in my notes. Charlie. That's perfection. Brandon knows what I'm talking about. All right. If you don't like that, then you don't like America. Cue the eagle calling in the background. <laughs> there you go. I yield the rest of my time. America! Fuck yeah! Oh and you, we will argue over that all day. I did my research on that one. Yes. Rambo 2 First Blood. Oh, Rambo First Blood. Rambo 2. It's First a- Blood, not Rambo First Blood. Okay. God damn yeah, it. You know fucking anything? baby doesn't know shit. I am tripping over words. Trying to breathe here. Give me a minute. It's true. What are we shaking your head for? What are we shaking your head for? I want to know right now. That's I don't have time to get into it. What you're saying is technically correct. Who's going to win? Exactly. So I win. Tell us who to start, Brandon. All right. Um, fuck it. I, I will. I will go first. And man, this is. All these movies are good. That's this is. This is yeah. hard. This is hard because I genuinely love all three of these movies and. Um, but I'm going to have to eliminate Firewalker. Um, because, I mean, if the, with faced with the Chuck Norris decision of, like, which Chuck Norris movie I'm going to watch. Even though this isn't the Chuck Norris division, this is action slash adventure. Oh, but, I'm going to fight everybody when it comes to the Chuck Norris division. <laughs> and I am 
Scott is big enough to maybe present a challenge, but he's dying from every old man disease. And Brandon's much I will win. So, but no, uh, I get that. Scott, which one are you eliminating? King Solomon's Mines or Firewater? Firewater's not a better movie, but you said that was better than Indiana Jones, and that really bothers me, so I want to hit you personally. I didn't say it was better than Indiana Jones. I said it at the time. You said you would rather watch that movie than Indiana Jones. As a kid, I would have Okay, so as an adult... Either way, make your decision. I'm eliminating Firewalker. It's not as good as this one. It's not... Okay, so, so it's down to me. So leaves you. I, I, if you'd have put this in military, Scott, you might have had a leg to this stand up. This is isn't it? No, this, this is an action adventure. Action. And it is an action movie. I fucking <coughs> love missing action. But he's right. King Solomon's Minds is fucking honest, <sighs> It really is. Like, that was like my second choice where I'm like, no, I'm going to go with the Dark Horse and go Firewall. I, 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 I made, made the conscious decision. They're all three great movies. I made the conscious decision to take the, the road less traveled and argue adventure um, because it, it has a little more fun with its premise than some of these other movies. Not that these, like Firewalker is great yeah. and Missing Action is pretty pretty straight ahead. Um, but I, I love all three of these movies. Yeah. So there's no no bad choice. But I, I'm I'm very glad. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate uh, um Thank you, uh, Richard Chamberlain. Yeah, he was, he was good. The sequel sucked though, comparatively. Oh well, steep steep drop in it's a, quality. It's a it's a good can of sequel, bad sequel, bad movie sequel. If that okay, makes sense. All right, this one right here, I think we're gonna have. This is gonna be the hardest fight. All right, so martial arts slash ninja. <laughs> I, almost, I, I, I almost had these as separate um, uh, categories out of themselves, but man, I fuck it. Like this it, internally, this will make for interesting banter. So, Scott, you have chosen uh, one of the most popular canon films of all time, and I would no. dare dare I say one of just the most popular action movies of all time. But it definitely has a martial arts twist. So, read your synopsis. U.S. soldier Frank Dukes, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, has come to Hong Kong to be accepted in the Kumite, a highly secret and extremely violent martial arts competition. While trying to gain access into the underground world of clandestine fighters, he also has to avoid military officers who consider him to be AWOL. After enduring a difficult training and beginning a romance with journalist Janice Kent, played by Leah Ares, Frank is given the opportunity to fight, but can he survive? All right, you got two minutes on the clock. Bloodsport. Three, two, one, go. The movie was made on $2.3 million and grossed over $50 million. It is what launched Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's in our hearts forever because of it. When you think Jean-Claude Van Damme, you think him doing splits and being awesome. And guess what? In this movie, he does splits and he's awesome. Uh, it's about an underground fight club. I mean, that's just awesome to begin with. Um, the reviews for it are always terrible, and I'll never understand why, because it's one of those movies that's lasted the test of time, and there's a reason for it. And the title itself launches it. I mean, Bloodsport? How much more metal can you get? I yield the rest of my time. Okay. Spark notes. Spark notes. All right. <laughs> Tony, you have chosen... 
a uh, a a fucking classic, <laughs> a, classic a, 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 a movie that uh, that I can say that I have seen probably over a hundred times I'm in my, say in this my real quick years. Before I read the synopsis or anything, I'm just like older than y'all. I was watching these movies kind of as they came out because of my older siblings. I am entrenched in this. And even though earlier I couldn't decide which one of these movies I just talked with Brandon, which one did I pick? There's no wrong answer in this series. Hmm. All right. All right. Read your synopsis. Cole Frank uh, Nero is a former American military operative who just finished training in ninjutsu oh in Japan. He heads to the Philippines to visit an old army buddy, Alex Courtney, and his seductive wife, Susan George, mm. who are living on a large property targeted by a wealthy CEO. Charles Venarius, Christopher George, for oil drilling. When Cole fights off his stooges, Venarius recruits Cole's old ninjutsu school rival, the vicious Hesegawa Shokazuki, leading to an explosive showdown. All right, two minutes on the clock. Enter the ninja. Three, two, one, go. No, it's Enter the Motherfucking Ninja. This movie fucking brought it. Okay. It brought about the whole Canon Show Kazuki series that was just fucking amazing. You could not be a child in the 80s and know anything about martial arts movies without winning this man. It is fucking amazing. It is schlock gold plot wise. Ninjutsu and horrible cultural appropriation (laughs) all the way through. But mother fuck this movie delivers in fucking entertainment. You cannot, you can't sit down and watch it. I mean, without just, this is when it's, it shouldn't be American Eagles hollering caca. But it is, somehow, because a white man appropriated all the ninjutsu <laughs> and gave Sho Kazuki some, some screen time, too. Although, like, he really stole the picture. This movie fucks. Like, this movie has sex. This movie, this movie's probably fucked your mom. This is, this is when I think canon, there are like four films I really think of when I see that logo. And this is number two. Enter the Ninja. I yield my time. As drunk as he is, <laughs> I'm really drunk. Say that name the way you say it, like, Perfect. I was like, God, show Kashuki. You can't grow up. Oh, I, I literally it. grew up in the eighties. Like my parents had a TV rented from like rent a center, and my brother. It. it was one of his weekends over with my dad. We rented like some one of his movies and just rented it. And then they came to repossess our TV. I That's grew nice. up poor people, but it was like. But he remembers that damn fucking. I remember you, damn. I don't actually don't remember what movie it was in the Ninja movie. But I love it. All right, I'm excited to hear Brandon's founder of the feast. What's got for us? A woman with ESP and an interest in ancient Japanese culture becomes possessed by the spirit of a warrior. Ninja Three: The Domination. In three, two, one, go. 
Out of all the categories, I struggle the most with choosing this particular film. Without the faintest hint of hyperbole, I will declare, now in front of God and country, that the canon Ninja Trilogy is the greatest trilogy in the history of not only canima, canima, canon, but also the greatest trilogy in the history of cinema. There is no other studio that can make three completely unrelated films and market them as being the same continuity other than canon. Masterful. Mwah! The first two in the series, they're awesome, but they're standard affair. Uh, there's nothing st- uh, standard about Ninja the Domination. Uh, the, our film, which is directed by the infamous Sam Furstenberg, it opens up with a golf course assassination scene. Upon fleeing the scene, our evil ninja master kills a ton of people, including a car full of cops, and causes them to flip into a lake. Blazing a path of destruction, the ninja kicks another cop out of a motorcycle, and he somehow climbs into a helicopter, and he kicks a shuriken into the motherfucker's head, and then he he dives into the water and he uses a bamboo shoot not only to breathe underwater, but also to shoot it into a motherfucker's face. He gets held down in gunfire and he throws a smoke bomb and in like the two seconds that it envelops him, he's able to dig a hole deep enough to put himself out of their view. He, he humbles across. He finds Lucinda Dickey. He puts his soul into her and then com- comedic gold happens. She fucks a really hairy dude. She pours V8 on her titties. It's fucking great. She goes around and there's an exorcism scene. So this movie blends east and west exorcism. Oh it's God. it's the exorcist if made on a budget. And Lucinda Dickey could fucking get it. And I just want to say that motherfucker. That if you took the, the Charles Lee Ray from uh, from uh, Child's Chucky. Play and fucking threw it through the lens of the Exorcist made by Canon, you would get Ninja Three: The Domination. I yield my time. You two say when you're in ten seconds, you don't have to say I yield my time. He would never you know, yield time. You know, real quickly, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great argument. I didn't even get to some of the good stuff. <laughs> that's like my number two, but you're wrong. Anyway. Um, all right. Um, Scott, what are you? Uh, oh, okay, why are you? Oh, start with me. I don't care. Tony, what are you looking at? sport. Fuck that movie. That guy lied. The guy that's all based on, I love Jean-Claude Frank, Van Damme. Frank Dukes. Frank oh, Dukes yeah. lied. Oh, yeah. It's all bullshit. And uh, when I think early Jean-Claude Van Damme, I think the original Kickboxer and his villainous turn in that. Kickboxer is good. So, and honestly, no, like not shit on Scott's pick. It's it's classic 80s cinema, but you don't associate it with canon more as you do Jean-Claude Van Damme. I have to go with one of our picks, and I'm not mad either way. Dude, I, I don't. I, this is even. I'm not even attributing this to Scott. What, what you just said there actually, I think, swayed me to vote for Bloodsport. And here's why: Bloodsport is the most culturally relevant of all these films. It they took this as the basis and created Mortal Kombat. Mortal yep. Kombat, which is one of the most successful video games. T- Tony's a, a I'm miming, jacking up, and blading myself because he's wrong. It's a so, great movie. So. Fuck! I, I'm gonna have to change. I'm gonna have to change my uh, pick to Bloodsport. Scott, have you been swayed by anybody's argument, no, or are you no, gonna take the del- win? We're eliminating. You gotta eliminate me. <coughs> your choice. Well, that, oh, what do we do? Yeah, are we eliminating pick or between, picking pick one between, goes away? But I'm you're giving I, him the option to pick himself or one of. But I but I changed my I changed my vote. Oh, you changed your vote. You're both Bloodsport. Well, then just I'll put Bloodsport down. Y'all are both fucking wrong and Un- Unless Scott has been uh, swayed by someone's sexy arguments. 
I've never seen the, the, the one you were talking about, but okay. I want to fucking watch it You really it now. need to see it. I okay. want to watch it can, now. Can I, so. can I, before we move on, Bloodsport is going to advance. Yeah. But let me, let, me, let me say this. There is a hot tub orgy scene, with a and there's a vengeful one-eyed ninja. There's aerobics. There's ESP. Um, th- there's sexy dancing. This this movie is fucking fantastic. But it's it's a movie that you watch ironically. And Bloodsport, it, like, legitimately, is a movie that like I rewatched Bloodsport like, two months one? ago. Kickboxer, and I still love not it. A kickboxer. What's what's the other one he did? Lion Lionheart. No, like there's blood. There's the two of the same plotted movie. Oh, um... Maybe it is kickboxing, I'm pretty the sure. one where he's the bad guy is something else. You're talking no, tr- no Retreat, No Surrender. No, tr- no Retreat, No Surrender. Yeah, kickboxing and Bloodsport Cannon, are the same fucking movie. I don't think he, I don't think Cannon made No Retreat, No Surrender. No. However, if they had, that would have been my comedy choice that because the go- because the ghost of Bruce Lee trains yeah. that guy. And then there's, yeah. a, there's a scene in the... In Sweet the, baby Christmas. Where they, they rap, they do rap martial arts in a, in a yeah. basement to clean it up. Either way, fucking, y'all are wrong, but that's okay. I Get the red is culturally significant. Hey, and Sean Claude Van Damme dancing. I hey, I would have back. I would have canceled my choice and picked Ninja Three just because his argument is great. I, I thought yeah, it, I Ninja like Three it. was my number two pick, but Enter the Ninja did have. The I never seen Ninja Three, but now I want to bring it. Because I've seen End of the Ninja, you, that movie's ridiculous. I've never you seen don't Ninja know Three. Ridiculous till you see Enter the. God damn it! Ninja we 3. love you, Sam Furstenberg. All right. All right, we're moving into sci-fi slash fantasy. This Any is, other choice, but mine is wrong. Uh, Where's mine? I'm going to I'm going to hopefully oh, sway you on on my decision. Hear it, big boy. All right. In a future beset by chaos and violence, mercenary Gibson Rickenbacker, Jean-Claude Van Damme, is charged with a mission that could change everything, protecting beautiful cyborg Pearl Prophet. She holds the cure for a deadly disease that could destroy humanity and must get it to scientists in Atlanta. Yeah, that's right, Atlanta, Georgia. But warlord Tremolo Fender, Vincent Klein, fearing that his power will be undercut by peace, intends to make sure she never reaches her destination. All right, two minutes on the clock. My pick is Cyborg. Three, two, one. What do you get when you take a handful of abandoned sets from the unproduced Masters of the Universe 2 and Spider-Man you added a touch of Mad Max, a pinch of a dystopian science fiction future, and the Brussels from Muscles. You get 1989 Cyborg. Brussels from Brussels. Did I just know what I said? Yeah, you flipped it. Okay. So Brussels from Muscles. Yeah, we'll go, say. go, go. Uh, 29 on-screen kills, over 40 visible dead bodies, courtesy of one of Canon's most reliable directors, Albert Pune. His film w- was produced on a meager half a million dollars, and he went on to gross over 10 million. But holy fuck, every penny is on screen. These sets look like Michael Bay dropped a bomb on Detroit, and I mean that in the best way possible. Everything is grimy. It's burned. It's lived in. You feel like you're going to get hepatitis just from looking at it. And, and I mean that in a positive way. Jean-Claude Van Damme stars in the role. Meant for Chuck Norris, but it, this is one of the times where Chuck Norris was not suited for the role. Van Damme does those fucking splits, and he kicks people in the fucking face, and he's got knife, like a retractable blade in his fucking boot, and there's a part where he does a straddle thing in a, in a fucking uh, alleyway, and he drops down on the fucking guy, and it's fucking just masterful. And the fucking villain... He looks like a leather daddy mixed with like if like a he's a homoerotic leather daddy mixed with like the Nintendo Power Glove. That's the best way I can put it. And there's all these weird like um 
like combinations of like there's like a fetish for like musical instruments like Gibson Rickenbacker. I mean, come on, oh, Tri- tremolo. Wow. Um, fuck. I mean, come on, man. There, there's it's it's an interesting movie. This movie kicks ass, and I would totally fuck that cyborg lady. Um, the special effects are are touchy in some spots, but the sets more than make up for it. Jean-Claude Van Damme was riding high on Bloodsport. This is a movie that, despite the fact that it launched a whole bunch of shitty sequels, it is absolutely deserving of its praise. Cyborg rules. No time to yield. Went down to the club wire. Wow. Because his choice is weak. (laughs) Oh! All right. Your choice, Tony. Read your synopsis. All right. In this adaptation of the Greek myth, Hercules, Lou Ferrigno, a semi-divine being, squares off against King Minos, William Berger, or Berger, I'm not sure if it's a soft or hard G, but I'm hard, who is attempting to use science to gain power and take over the world with the help of a benevolent sorcerer, Circe, Marella D'Angelo. Hercules tries to save his beloved Cassiopeia, Ingrid Anderson from being sacrificed by Minos and struggles against laser laser breathing creatures and evil sorceress Sybil Danning. Put my fucking time on the clock. Two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, Hercules. This movie has like ten bad Greek myth plots wrapped into one. He fucking throws a bear into space. He fights all kinds of badass fucking stop motion horrible but yet endearingly horrible special thing. The plot makes no sense. Lou Ferrigno fucking sells it. <clears throat> and I'm going to use a little bit of my time to shit on Cyborg. It's drab and boring. I saw it in theaters when it came out. Whatever. No. This movie is fun. It is. It is. It captures, like, everything good about sci-fi fantasy that's also bad, because this movie doesn't have the best plot ever, but it has the most plot of any movie we pick. And damned if they don't fucking sell it and put and we're talking about money on screen, every fucking cent on this movie is visible on screen in the glorious oiled muscled folds of Lou Ferrigno. Y'all, any other choice? Save another one is good. You know what? I'm going to ride my time out. I'm watching the clock. No, this movie has some of the most ridiculous action set pieces of canon film history. Trying to, like, let's take myth and be, you know, oh, we're going to put this. This is serious. No, it's fucking Ray Harryhausen tributed awesomeness. Fuck all y'all. I'm drunk, but it's better. I yield my time. Time clear. Cyborg sucked. <laughs> All right. He slayed me. <laughs> All right. Scott. He might laugh too hard and die with all this shit. Okay. All right. All right. Read your synopsis. When the evil Skeletor, Frank Langella, finds a mysterious power called the Cosmic Key. He becomes nearly invincible. However, courageous warrior He-Man, played by Dolph Lundgren, locates inventor Gwildor, played by Billy Barty, 
who created the key and has another version of it. During a battle, one of the keys is transported to Earth, where it is found by teenagers Julie, played by Courtney Cox, and Kevin, played by Robert Duncan McNeil. Now both He-Man and Skeletor's forces arrive on Earth, searching for the potent weapon. All right, you got two minutes on the clock. Masters of the Universe, three, two, one, go. I only need like a minute, because I've got two things to sell us right now. For all the ladies... <laughs> and for our LGBTQ friends, peak Dolph Lundgren and a furry diaper. If that doesn't make the ladies want to leave a snail trail as they crawl to their bedroom, I don't know what will. Hot damn. And secondly, Frank Langella went so freaking hard. He didn't have to go as hard as he did. But like Phil Collins from the Tarzan soundtrack, he did. <laughs> he went that hard for us. Okay? It's campy. It's schlocky. It's stupid. It's fun. It's one of those movies you put on. It's a popcorn film. You put on your riff in it. I mean, it's it's perfect. It's perfectly stupid. And that's what makes it perfectly fun. And that's why it's the perfect choice. I yield my time. You do, you, One you, minute on the dog. Good on the job, dog. sir. That's exactly what you said oh, you would need. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, we, we, we each... Huh? I'm the only one here alive that saw two of the three movies <laughs> in the in-theater opening day. We have to come to a decision. Or let Scott go first. He's unbiased, I guess. Scott, uh, of of the choices, Cyborg, Hercules, or your pick, Masters of the Universe, which of these three do you think should be eliminated from the best sci-fi slash fantasy films produced by canon? Yours is a better movie. He chose his for the same reason I chose mine. They're both fun and stupid. I'm going to have to eliminate yours just because, Tony. Just oh, because. Shit. I hit that way too oh, hard. shit. I thought you broke the glass. No. Okay, I'm going to eliminate his just because it's so close to mine with that whole modern day theme mixing with the mystical, fantastical things. But mine sold way more action figures. You're so no, action. No, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. Masters Universe was in the fucking toilet oh, by the awful. time the movie it a, came it out. It was a bomb, yes. All right. It, I, Fuck Cyborg. So you're, you're, voting, you're voting me. I mean, if it's I have serious. to pick between Cyborg and Master of the Universe. But okay, literally, I'm not even playing. We all as a family went to Knoxville to East Town Mall because that's the only theater that's playing in the Morristown. <laughs> yeah, that bad. And we all left. The, and I'm, I'm a naturally optimistic person. I always have been. It's so drab. It's so dry. It is not Fun. comparatively. And now, immediately, I have a traumatic memory with Masters of the Universe. I gotta hear That's that. That's the first time I ever heard my mother call somebody sexy at Taco John in Morristown, Tennessee, <laughs> after going to the Volunteer Twin Theater to see Masters of the Universe. <coughs> You've told Dolph Lundgren is sexy. You have right. He is, and I can, I can, I can confirm I mean, this. He's he not has, wrong. He has told me this story before. Yes, so and I will still take. I mean, it's also got young Courtney Cox. If yep. my correct movie was eliminated for canon, not best sci-fi fantasy no. movie of all time, but for canon, I gotta go with Master of the Universe because it's the fun, hey, let's take source material and rape it and shit on it. Yeah. 
By Yours the way, is the cast-off leftovers of the sequel to his. Okay, well, my Cyborg has been eliminated, so I have to come to the, the, the oh. decision on which of your films is more applicable. And and here and here's why. Here what what, what you But I eliminated the his, didn't I? And he made a vote towards me. I made so a vote towards nobody's him. really been eliminated. The tiebreaker is him. He's not gonna eliminate himself. Unless you eliminate He-Man, that's a three-way tie. And then yeah. we just got a circle jerk to see who comes first. Always. Brandon made the rules. Brandon gets to decide that's what true. goes forward. It's not going to be Cyborg. I'm sorry. <laughs> I won't write that down. <laughs> I legit hated that movie He's as a kid. override you. No, whatever you well, say. Well, it, it would... Oh, fuck. It would lie on it would lie on me to to eliminate one of these <laughs> yeah. anyways. Okay. So and then and then basically uh whoever is eliminated then can choose between what is left. Okay. So you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So Cyborg is still in effect, unless I have been swayed. I have I have not. But here I went hard. <laughs> You didn't. You didn't bring this up, but the reason that I'm going to have to eliminate Masters of the Universe <gasps> and choose Hercules is because the movie poster, as cool as it is, it has the most blatant lie I have ever seen on a film, and it has a quote that says, "Masters of the Universe is this generation's Star, Star Wars." Wars. Yeah, <laughs> for that for that reason alone, I have to eliminate. So now Pick is that Scott. Cyborg or Oh no, or I'm, I'm totally on Hercules. That was fun. I don't I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad about it. Like, I'm not, he punches I'm not, a fucking bear into space. I'm not even trying to literally your choice. But like legitimately, me, my dad, my mom, my sister, we all went to Knoxville, we saw a cyborg, and we're like, wow, that just wasn't good. Was You're something. wrong. You're wrong. I just watched this. The I other haven't day. I haven't Wait. seen it since it came out on VHS when it was new. we gave it a second shot. Yeah, you're a stupid you're stupid. <laughs> hey, uh, why are you writing down cyborg? But I don't know. <laughs> I will not write down Cyborg. I, I won. I guess because we're talking so much oh. shit on it. It was just on my head. You won that one. You still wrote it All on right, my guys. Look, I put an exclamation point there. It's It's about to get fucking... It's about to get real fucking serious. No. Possibly oh. dangerous for everybody involved who's not me. This. Okay, I'm good. I'm ready. In the my category... It's hard right now, man. In the category of greatest Chuck Norris canon film... Scott, you're going to start us out. Read your synopsis. Retired CIA agent Matt Hunter, played by Chuck Norris, is forced back into business when a villain from his past reemerges. Soviet Mikhail Rostov, played by Richard Lynch, a terrorist whom Matt once caught wants to exact revenge. After failing to find Matt at his Everglades home, Rostov and his army of communist guerrillas begin carrying out terrorist acts all over southern Florida. Millions of innocent lives are at risk, and it's up to Matt, the National Guard, and the FBI to save them. All right, you got two minutes on the clock. Missing in action. Three, two, one, go. <sighs> Swamp Norris <laughs> killing communists. Also, he kills main guy with a fucking bazooka. I'm all. I looked this one up. And MAW. Cut. Pramp. When? That's all I need to say. I yield the rest of my time. Hashtag Swamp Norris. I love this movie so much. 
I just want for the for the reference. I was also going to pick missing in action, but I thought I'd be the contrarian just for the sake of argument. That being said, I am still going to argue my point. USA. Shh. What did I say? Missing in action. Yeah. I was. You did say. Oh, you were going to pick. I was was going to pick Invasion USA, but I have. But to be the contrarian, I'm going to pick missing in action too, because this for the sake of argument. Let him argue it. For the sake of argument. Wrong. Ten years after being. Captured by sadistic uh, Vietnamese Colonel Yen Osun Tech. In 1972, Colonel James Braddock, Chuck Norris, and his men are still prisoners deep in the jungle. Resigned to being abandoned by his government, Captain David Nestor, Stephen Williams, who you may remember from Jason Goes to Hell mm-hmm. as our uh, favorite um, bounty hunter, Creighton mm-hmm. Duke, uh, has become Yin's henchman, while the rest of the soldiers remain strong. Despite constant torture, Braddock refuses to sign a confession of cowardice, binding his time until he can escape and take revenge. All right, I got two minutes on the clock. Missing in action to the beginning. Now, don't let the number two in the title fool you. This is actually the first missing in action film. With that being said, um, yes, there's some truth to what Scott was saying earlier. But this is the script, not the script to the one, because this was actually part one that was uh, being floated around as to be a Rambo First Blood part two, because the similarities are quite similar. That being said, this movie has what I will consider the best acting Chuck Norris has ever done in a movie. And that's why I'm picking it over... What by all accounts a better movie invasion USA. However, the thing that I like about Missing in Action One, it's an excellent movie and it straddles this line between a spy thriller and like a revenge fantasy. But this movie hits home because I have so many family members who fought in Korea and Vietnam, mm-hmm. and watching this movie with my grandfather, even though he didn't fight in, in Vietnam, like this is the type of movie. He's like, no, this this is very accurate. They put a fucking sack full of hungry rats on his head to try and torture him to, to sign this like mm-hmm. you know thing of cowardice, and he won't fucking do it. Now. Reality, he probably would have, but, you know, it's just showing he's got this gumption. He has this determination to fight through this horrible situation and survive. So you get everything you get in Rambo 2, but you get a more grounded emotional story, and he's being imprisoned on top of having to save all these people. So it isn't him going back. He never left. So you get that great emotional, like, situation with everything. The thing that I... I want to say about this is that during the time we're writing this wave of like this idea that there were legitimate MIAs, you know, mm-hmm. stuck over there, which was largely untrue. But the sentiment is it's just it's very, very endearing to people who watched it at the time. I love missing an action, too, even though I'm not going to win. All right, I want my two minutes on the clock. All right. You don't need to read your no, uh, thing. Invasion USA, but I want my two. Okay. Two minutes. You're right about the best acted movie of Chuck Norris's career, but there's a reason they released the sequel ahead of the proposed original. It's kind of fucking boring. I think you're right about the whole sentiment of, you know, the, oh, what if we left behind uh, uh, prisoners of war and yada, yada. And there are some great scenes in it. But you have. Fucking Swamp Norris <laughs> killing I commies on U.S. soil. It's you're not going to beat it. They brought the it point is, to us. 
Like, and the, like you, you could have come at me with the octagon and maybe had an argument. Not a canon movie, but it's yeah. not a canon. Okay, well, Chuck Norris, just in Chuck yeah. Norris. That's the only other movie that can hang with Invasion USA is the octagon. So no, it's Invasion USA, one hundred percent. I love all the mission action movies, even the kind of shitty part three, and it is kind of shitty. It's kind of just. It's like a TV movie with a slightly larger budget, but no, there's a reason they were. They're legitimately a reason they released. Part two ahead of part one because part one was a better movie. I yield my time. Also, fuck both of y'all. Lone Wolf McQuaid is the best goddamn actor oh, Chuck you're Norris fucking ever wrong. did. You're that movie's wrong. incredible. It's, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's kind of, it's, it's really hard. To I love Lone Wolf McQuaid. Now listen, I, I was going to pick Invasion USA. I picked Missing the Action 2 for the, sake of, fight. For the sake of the argument. Yeah, I get that. Fucking Matt Hunter in his. Full denim outfit, which, oh, I, yeah. which I'm offended neither one of you mentioned. He's wearing his containing tuxedo, even though he's all American. And motherfucker, he has two Uzis, and he his, his one-liner, it's time. And then he fucking blows up fucking Richard Lynch. Fuck, Richard Lynch, by the way, great villain. Super, super uh, popular, you know, during that run, you know, the 80s and early 90s. And he was, uh, had a very high prominence uh, position in the third Puppet Master movie as being the Nazi they based uh, the Blade puppet on. Mm-hmm. You're right, yeah. Like, uh, Invasion USA, 100%. All right. So, Invasion USA has uh, moved on into the Four. next round. Shall uh, right. I read the, the movies that have made it? Yes. And then we're going to be uh, taking a short break, and then we'll return promptly. Horror thriller, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Cop, military, Cobra. Mm. Comedy other, over the top. You know, it's it should have won an Oscar. Uh, Charles Bronson, Kinjete, Forbidden Subjects. Action Adventure, King Solomon's Mind, good movie. Martial Arts Ninja, Bloodsport, Sci-Fi Fantasy, Hercules, and Chuck Norris, Invasion USA. All right, Ran Army, we have our eight ultimate canon films moving on to the quarterfinals, but first, here's some messages from our sponsors. What's going on, you dog dicks? It's the pod boss, TJ Bowser here. I was asked by the handsome Brandon A. Lane to once again grace your ear holes with my lovely voice. This time, he asked me to talk about my favorite film from the Canon Group. Well, that one wasn't hard at all. I chose the follow-up to one of the most legendary grindhouse films of all time, Toby Hooper's 1986 black comedy splatter film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Part 2. Now, let me keep this brief. This film manages to seamlessly blend the laughs with the gore. Toby Hooper injected comedy in this film while maintaining the dark and brooding atmosphere tone of the first film. We have a loaded cast featuring the likes of Caroline Williams, Bill Mosley, Dennis Hopper, and Jim Seidel. From the opening moments of this film, it's balls out fun. We go on this wild and crazy journey through a disgusting world of cannibalism and chainsaws. Now, I fail to remember the first time I watched this film, but I know that I watched it pretty early on in my life. The final scene had a profound impact on me as a young man. In particular, it stuck around in my mind. While watching it back as an adult, I'm able 
able to appreciate the comedic nature of the film on a whole nother level while appreciating the level of care and thought that Toby Hooper put into crafting this film. Never again will a film manage to, in my mind, achieve this level of cult status due to the fact of the first film being so legendary in and of itself and the fact that this film took that story and turned it on its head. Everything from the characters to the locations and even the dialogue are just so memorable. Thank you for listening to me. See you guys next time. And of course, check out ProjectLouder.net, your home for pop culture and so much more. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, directed by Toby Hooper. We're back, and the competition is heating up. We've narrowed the field down to eight films, but only four can advance to the semifinals. In our Western quarterfinals, first up our round, horror slash thriller versus cop versus military. We have Texas Chainsaw Master 2 versus Cobra. All right, we're going to start with you, Scott. you got two minutes on the clock. To choose and argue why you have made your choice. In three, two, one, go. I love both these films. Both these films were my choices. Um, overall, I will have to go Cobra just because it's, if I have to sit down and just enjoy a film, it's going to be Cobra. It's that perfect level of 80s amazingness, which I adore. Um, and I can watch it with my son around. <laughs> I can't really. I can watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but my uh, daughter is won't like it as much. So, <sighs> Cobra all day. I yield my time. Maybe you should give your daughter up for adoption, man. That's horrible. <sighs> I'm sorry. She wasn't raised around the horror stuff like Cass was. All right, I'm going to go next. In three, two, one. So. Uh, This is hard because I genuinely love both of these movies. I can tell you from experience that I've seen Cobra consistently throughout my life. I've I've owned it on pretty much every physical copy version available from Laserdisc, VHS, DVD, and two different versions on Blu-ray. So I absolutely love this movie. That being said, The Quest... As a kid, for me to be able to find and watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was vast. I could not find this movie anywhere. You were lucky to find any of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, with the exception of Part 3 in video stores at the time, just because uh shoddy distribution. But Part 2 had been kind of tucked away, and nobody wanted to touch it. Well, I pre-ordered... Pre-ordered? I ordered this thing from... Uh, what used to be Camelot Music, which is now Fye back in the day, oh, and, and and what you know what happened? They ordered me a copy of Texas Chainsaw Master Part One, which I already had, so I had to order it twice. I watched this movie and I fucking hated it. I absolutely <clears throat> hated it. That being said, over time, Texas Chainsaw Master Two has become the herpes of movies for me. (laughs) I have a framed copy of it here in the Black Lodge in the other room. This movie is so much fun. Um, Bill Mosley is probably the most underutilized horror character in history, and the fact that he did not appear in any other sequels is 
so sad that I can't even put it into words. Uh, Toby Hooper managed to do something that no one else has ever been able to do, and that's do a spoof of your own movie and make it as good as the original in a completely different way. Cobra is a masterpiece, but it is a slice of its time. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is timeless. I yield my time. There's no time. Anyway, hit it. All right. Apparently, you didn't get a showbiz video enough as a child, because that's where I saw it. I rented it. They had it in their horror section. And I believe so did movies and more, but I might be wrong on that. But, that being said, I want a crazy killer. Cobra's got it. I want a ridiculous premise going over the top. Cobra's got it. You know what Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 doesn't have? It has Dennis Hopper going crazy. Does it have Sylvester Stallone and kick-ass shades with a match it, matchstick always in his mouth? No. Cobra's got it. Over, and I do, I honestly, you're right about he made a satire of his own movie. It's great. I don't like picking between these. It's like picking between two good kids and like Scott's only apparently one of, I'm just playing. No. Cobra, when I think canon. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a horror movie I think about. It might transcend a lot of things. When I think what's great about canon, you have Sylvester Stallone fighting a cult of serial killers to protect his model wife. I'm not sure if they're married then or about to be married. No, Cobra wins every day for a canon movie. I yield my time. All right. In our quarterfinals to final rounds, we will each be given a one-minute rebuttal in, in the case to, uh, to suede arguments. So I'm going to invoke my right now. <laughs> and three, two, one. <laughs> Cobra is not the movie it was intended to be. Cobra has so much cut out of it that if you watch it, it is, quite frankly slashed to pieces. And to a lesser extent, you could say the same thing about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. However, when you put the scope of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 into effect of that, those wonderful catacombs that they built and the attention to detail, and you have this coming of age, like adolescent story of Leatherface falling in love and being conflicted. It's such a wonderful dichotomy from everything you saw in the previous film. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, despite the fact that it is a sequel could work on its own, where Cobra, I think, is going to turn people off by some of the cheesy music, and even though I, I love it, I, I'm going to just lay that out there. So, um, I yield my time. So, if you guys want to still vote me out, I think I've said all I needed to say. Do you need your time? I, I like both films, but I've, I'm sticking to my guns. Sticking to my like guns. Like Cobra would. Cobra. All right, well, Cobra... Has won and will continue on from I here. Think, again, they're they're about. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. If it had not gone against Cobra or something else later, then it probably yeah, would go exactly. a lot further. Any other movie, but one other movie, <laughs> I'm picking it, but not Cobra. All right. All, also in our Western quarterfinals, we have comedy slash other versus Charles Bronson. Um, we'll start out with um, with you, Tony. You got two minutes on the clock. Are you choosing over the top or are you choosing Kingente? Forbidden oh subjects. My God, this is weird. Okay, this is really hard because you have 
one movie that's well shot and well acted with a dumbass premise, and one movie with a good premise that, with the exception of Charles Bronson, isn't that great shot or acted. I gotta go over the top. I saw this in theaters. I felt his urge, and it just, just like he, he wants his son. He wants good, like the little snot-nosed military school brat coming around to his father. And this pains me. It really, really does. Because I honestly didn't even think of Kajite first. But over the top, again, and also, this is the Canon Cup. This isn't the greatest movies of all time cup. For <laughs> Canon films, you're going to have a $40 million disaster of a movie about a man arm wrestling to win a semi-truck to take care of his son better. I'm sorry, you gotta go over the top. There's no two ways about it. Charles Bronson, I love you. That was a great movie, but I have to go over the top. I yield my time. Darren, I'm gonna go next. You don't know what I'm voting for. <laughs> Just let him go. All right, two minutes on the clock. Now, I could make a hundred arguments against over the top. And they'll all be wrong. Um, it's inept in so many ways but all those ways equate to something that is despite the the some of its many flawed parts a enjoyable movie robert loja gives a genuinely good performance and there's actually an aspect of the movie where despite how asshole she is He's right about a lot of that stuff. Lincoln Hawk, despite the fact that they've kind of kept him away from his kid, he hasn't really proven himself to be a great father. And I have father issues, so a lot of that stuff does resonate with me. Here's my one argument for Kingente. Um Kingente didn't fucking destroy canon films. Uh, over the top was the beginning of the end. And had they not spent so much money on this and the, the canon way of making films is that you take one small budget film, it grosses mad money, and then you make eight films with that money. No, they didn't make any money with, with over the top. Over the top fucking led to bad decisions going forward, even though it was successful. That being said, I'm still choosing over the top. Oh my God. Woo! <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's, it's Stallone. I saw this in the theater. Man, I was such a fucking fan of this movie at the time. And, um, I can't tell you anybody that has ever had an arm wrestling match who hasn't turned their hat backwards and Got put the fucking the thumb. thumb over the top. Oh. So my pick is over the top. I yield my time. Wow. Plot twist. I, I was not <laughs> ramming. Either one of y'all to go for that. All right, Scott, you got two minutes on the clock. Go. Um. My mind is blown. I thought I was going to be the, the low man of the total ball here, standing alone on my own island, defending over the top. Um, I literally watch this film at least once a year. I don't know why, but I do. It's up there with, like, I don't know why I watch Major League once a year, but I do. And it's just, it's it's comfort food for me. It's Big Trouble in Little China. It's something about watching it takes me out of where I'm at, no matter what's going on in the world, and I'm little, and I'm in this world, and it's amazing. And it's stupid, and it's fun. <sighs> it's about arm wrestling, guys. <laughs> it's about arm wrestling. It's about And life. you know what? It's damn good. It'll touch your heart. Let it touch your heart. 
His last name is Hawk. Okay, I yield my time. <laughs> oh, he's about to give us a big heel turn like you did, and like no, fucking that was a swerve, bro. I, I just, I just want to say that uh, real quickly. You have been reading Vince Russo's book. I knew it. Nah, nah bro, um, <laughs> bro. The thing about over the top. In uh, many canon films that preceded it, is that uh, well, actually not specific to over the top, but canon was known for like writing trends, like you know, break in, break into Electric Boogaloo, like there. Um, uh, when the Apple, which we haven't talked about, when oh, when oh. overbloated studio musicals were like really big, they made the Apple. So. It's it's kind of like strange that they would adapt a movie about a truck driver who's you know professional arm wrestler who and it's a child drummer. It's like Kramer versus Kramer with a semi truck. You know, there's it's, nothing else like this. I have really to amazing. say, I've tried to watch the Apple well under the influence of shrooms, and I still didn't like it. <laughs> Made about 10 minutes in, I'm like, you know what? Rick and Morty. No, (laughs) I'm actually going to say that you should watch it because there is such a weird underlying... I've seen the actual movie. I'm just saying, I hate it. I hate musicals. I have no idea what the apple is. It's a... You don't need to. Don't worry about it. It it is a parable for the eternal fight between good and evil with uh, New York City used as... Highlander. Sure. sure. <laughs> Which, by the way, is not a canon movie, despite the fact that it... in it some be. in some canon vibes. Well, it was released by canon, but it wasn't produced by canon. I have a fucking Highlander poster. I know you have like the German one, Yeah, the Italian poster. Beautiful. Anyway. All right, we're moving on to our Eastern quarterfinals. And, man, we've got a, a couple of fucking this. heavy hitters. An action adventure versus martial arts slash ninja. Oh. We have King Solomon's Mines versus Bloodsport. I'm going to uh, let Scott go first. You got two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, go. Bloodsport. I yield my time. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with this. All right. Five seconds. Let me. I'm next. All right. Two minutes. Three, two, one, go. I don't hate Bloodsport. I grew up a child of the 80s. I grew up a big fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Honestly, though, you know, no. King Solomon's Mine. Again, this is the Cannon Cup. Big ideas. Big premise. Low fucking budget. Fuck you. (laughs) <laughs> they did so much with this movie and made it so fucking fun with super hot pre beaver shot Sharon, uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Like, this movie is fun. It's great. Bloodsport, when it came out, yes, whatever. But, like, you can watch Kickboxer. You can watch Lionheart. There's not, that doesn't scream John. That's not even the best Jean Claude Van Damme movie. That's Time Cop. <laughs> What the fuck? It's got the chick. It's got Ferris Bueller's girlfriend's titties. Time cop. But King Solomon's Mind, head to head against Bloodsport, King Solomon's Mind. My time. You had me hot there for a second, but then you 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 reined me back in. I'm like, fuck. Okay, okay, all right. That's the reason it's the best. All right, I got two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Man, this is a hard decision. Uh, I love both of these movies. Um, and I, I've seen both of these movies within the past, you know, month. That being said, I've seen Bloodsport 
probably 20 times in the past five years. I've only seen King Solomon's Mines maybe five. And the reason fucking Bloodsport resonates with me so much is it's it's that Kumite song by Stan Bush. It's the beat. <laughs> and the beginning of the movie where you're seeing fucking Frank Dukes getting the shit knocked out of him. He gets his fucking testicles beat and he lays on the ground and he drops shit on his stomach. Like, this is the defining moment for where Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, like he transcended from... An act, an actor who does action movies to an action star. This was the stepladder to his road to success. And he had a, a varied career. But when you say this isn't Jean-Claude Van Damme's best movie, I think that's debatable because to me, like, Bloodsport is kind of like his first blood in that it's the movie where you have the best mix of, of story and heart. But you also have great action, and it's not so over the top that it'll like rush people away from it. But it's ridiculous enough to where it's quotable, like "Okay, USA" and um, <clears throat> "Fucking Bolo Young," the one of the top screen villains of all time. He's Luke Kang on steroids, and he fucking throws. Sand. sand in his fucking eyes or is it salt it doesn't matter and he does the Johnny Cage split and punches him and like motherfucker if this movie does not inject a third testicle into your sack you're I don't I don't know I don't know what will so my my pick is blood sport I I don't need my minute but there's also they're forgetting double team man Get the fuck Better out of my not. house. <laughs> Just play. Now, the Bully Young thing, you know, his face and it's great. I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. I just, is an ogre in it, too? Yeah. He ogre. Is. Yes. Ogre's in it. Yes. It's a good movie. Ogre gets his ass whooped, though. <laughs> so we're in consensus, blood yeah, sport. Blood sport. All right, we we're now moving into what is going to be an interesting interesting round. <laughs> Chuck, oh my God. Chuck Norris versus sci-fi slash fantasy. So we have Invasion USA versus Hercules Tony versus Tony. All right, Tony, start us off. You got two minutes on the clock. Invasion USA or Hercules? Go. Okay, both of these were my picks. Invasion USA. Is the best canon movie ever. I'm going to go ahead and say, tell you, if it's not the number one, y'all are wrong, and I'll burn your house down and rape your court. No. It is the most fucking over-the-top bananas action extravaganza you can fucking imagine. With Chuck Norris. With beard, bearded Chuck Norris. Not that shaved bullshit you had earlier <laughs> in the decade and in the late 70s. You had full beard... <laughs> Double M's, uh, Uzi packing Chuck fucking Norris. I love Hercules. It's dumb as shit. It's great fun. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno seems like a hell of a guy. I bet him he is. Invasion <clears throat> USA, 100 times out of 100. It is the superior choice. I mean, unless you love commies. I yield my time. I bet you we're big at Russia. That'd be great if we started changing. Right, Scott, you got two minutes on the clock. Invasion USA or Hercules? Go. Whenever we first decided to do this, you pitched the idea or whatever to doing the Cannon Cup. Uh, the first movie that went in my mind was Hercules. So it's got. I'm just kidding. It's Invasion USA. Um, it's me and you watched together like was it last summer or something like that. It was so much fun. Yeah, I got it on it Blu-ray. It still holds up. 
it's like you said earlier the uh the Canadian tuxedo the beard swamp Norris I yield my time all right, I'm, res- I'm going to get hashtags more and worse trending. I swear. <laughs> I'm, I'm a trip out right, right now. All right. Two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. It's Invasion USA. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and let me explain to you why. Because there's some things that you reluctantly did not bring up that happened in this movie. So, for one, there's tanks in the suburbs. There's a part where they put a fucking, like, a, a bomb on a, a, a moving school bus, and Chuck Norris hangs out of the side of his truck and gets it and puts it on the terrorist and then blows them up. It, this movie is so ridiculous in every way that um, this is the probably the closest to a live-action G.I. Joe movie that I'm ever going to get that would be considered good. Channing Tatum is so great. You shut the I'm, fuck you know, up. I'm joking. Chuck Norris is the pillar of 1980s manliness in this movie. I mean, if if you put him in a like Coors Light commercial, dressed as he is in this movie, it would go together like peanut butter and jelly. The only thing I can say is probably negative about this movie is that it didn't spawn sequels. How in the fuck was there not... This should have been a summer event where every year a different fucking communist country is like coming to the shores and Chuck Norris has to blow them away. It's time. Matt Hunter is back. Invasion USA 2. Red Dawn. I don't know. I don't know. There, it's, it's fucking Invasion USA. Hands down. So we're consensus, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, jeez. That's going to... Make it really difficult for the rest of these. There's Ooh. only real two. There's only two real contenders oh. out of the four. Well, read us out. Up. Read us out our, our our contenders. All right. We have going head to head in a in the Western Division, the Sylvester Stallone masterpiece Cobra versus the Celeste Sylvester Stallone masterpiece Over the Top. Oh my god. Jeez. Yeah. Don't look at me. Shake my head like I'm wrong. In the Eastern <laughs> Division, we have Invasion USA America the movie. Fuck yeah. Mm. And Bloodsport. <laughs> I, I mean, I just I prefer kickboxing rules for I'm sorry. But Bloodsport, yes, there are still two heavy contenders. Listen, in the midst of this bloody war, we're now we're down to four canon films that are left standing. We move into our semifinals of the Canon Cup. But first, here's some messages from our sponsors. Hey, this is Jason Davis, technical advisor to Rants from the Black Lodge. When your host, the mouthpiece of the Southeast, Brandon A. Lane, asked me to talk about my favorite film from the Canon Group, I couldn't help but laugh because... I knew exactly what he was looking for, and it's probably not what you'd expect from anyone connected to the Black Lodge. So in 1986, I'm nine years old, and uh, several of the most incredible pieces are coming together to make one of the most patently absurd mainstream big-budget films of the decade. Um, so the next year, it all came to the screen, and uh, you know, first you had arguably the most recognizable action star of the past decade. Um, then you've also got an Oscar nominated actor as the lead villain. Um, then you've got a coming of age father and son road buddy movie wrapped in a horrifying custody battle and terminal cancer case. And then you've got, uh, arm wrestling. 
I'm talking, of course, about Over the Top. It's one of the most unintentionally goofy and nonsensical movies I've seen, and and yet I loved it. I mean, if, if you were a boy growing up in the 80s, there's a really good chance that this was a favorite. And there's about a 100% chance that if you ever arm wrestled and you were trying to make a comeback, you moved your thumb and tried to go over the top. In the end, over the top, it's just a magical piece of 80s B-action nostalgia. It's like Karate Kid, Rocky, and Kramer versus Kramer had a baby. An incredibly low IQ baby. It's still 100% rewatchable today and actually features a great performance by the Oscar nominee I'd mentioned, Robert Loggia. Uh, he, he's just great. Uh, perfect Loggia. Vintage. There's also a, a cameo from wrestling legend Terry Funk and a bunch of sweaty arm wrestling truck drivers. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it. Your girlfriend or unsuspecting significant other will hate you for it. And here's two little pieces of trivia. Jason Cutler's palatial mansion in the movie is the same house the Beverly Hillbillies crashed in Hollywood, like back in the 60s. Uh, finally, the song Winner Takes It All, which is kind of the soundtrack to the life or death arm wrestling tournament late in the film. It features vocals from Sammy Hagar and a bass guitar solo from the late great Eddie Van Halen. Do yourself a favor and check it out. It's, uh, it's not a great film, but it is a very fun film. Take it easy, Rant Army. All right, welcome back, Rant Army. It's down to the final four canon films to end all four canon films. Yes. <laughs> but only two can advance to the finals. So first up in our Western semifinals, we have the Sylvester Stallone duo <laughs> yes. of Cobra and Over the Top. I'm going to start two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, go. This is fucking hard. <laughs> but it's not that hard. And here's why. I love Over the Top because it's ridiculous. It's got Terry Funk in it. Robert Loja is awesome. And, I, I, and his stupid kid. I like the parts where he gets roughed up a little bit. But here's the thing. Cobra is pure adrenaline. This is a movie. And I, I'm, I'm offended that neither one of you guys brought this up. But he cuts his pizza with a pair of scissors. I don't know why I find that. I don't know why I find that so alluring. But that is the greatest trait of a, of a fucking action star of all time. And not only does he cut his fucking pizza with a pair of scissors, he's doing it as he's cleaning and repairing, like putting his gun back together. What a fucking man. And I don't remember off the top of my head, he may even be wearing leather gloves and sunglasses while he's doing it. Does it fucking matter if he does it or isn't? No. But in my head, he is. And that is the mystique that only Cobra can bring to the can cup. My profile picture is me drawn as Marion Cobretti, aka Cobra, and there's a reason for it. The the movie poster is one of the most iconic images from my childhood. To me, that was the coolest thing on the VHS aisle when you saw Cobra. You're like holy fuck, and it was just this is the point where like it wasn't Sylvester Stallone as Cobra. It's Stallone Cobra. He had transcended a name. He was. Identity like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, you know, fuck uh, Chuck Norris. I, I love him, 
and he's one of the greatest action stars of all time, as is Charles Bronson. But when we're talking about like the upper echelon of all-time great action stars, Sylvester Stallone is always going to be number one for me. And with three seconds on the clock, I'll say, Cobra rules. All right, two minutes on the clock. Scott, you're up. Go. Ooh. I really hope I wouldn't have to go at all, because this is... It's ridiculous. It's uh, a little like trying to choose from my children. I take Luna. Um, Me too. Uh, <laughs> say something. I, I'm, it's so rough, dude. Like, and you want to talk about posters? I mean, the color one's iconic. Have you seen his muscles on the front of Over the Top with the giant truck coming up behind him? It's amazing. But, ah, ah this is rough. Oh, Stab my heart out. Um, this should not be as rough as it is, but I really do love Over the Top. I'm going to have to stick with Over the Top. If I know it's not going to win by any means, but I'm going to stick with the guns and Over the Top. It's, 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 it's home for me. And I yield the rest of my time. All right, Tony. I did not think I was going to do that. Two minutes on the clock. Cobra or over the top. Three, two, one, go. Okay. I am slightly... I'm I'm way older than fucking Scott over here. I'm slightly older than Brandon. I grew up with these a little bit different part in our lives. I like over the top. It's a fun movie. It's bad, but it's great. There is an echelon of 80s action movies like fucking Commando. If he likes you, he'll kill you last. Then there's fucking Cobra. Crime is a disease. None the cure. Cobra wins. I mean, this movie literally has fucking serial killers as a gang stalking somebody, and they make an action movie out of that. Not some crime drama thriller silence and lines bullshit. No. There's grocery store gun battles. He does cut his pizza with scissors. I apologize for not yep. making that. I don't know why that is. And help. you know what? Does he ever take off his sunglasses or leather gubs? Yes, I'm sure he does in the movie. In our head, does he? No. Mm-mm. That's how he makes love. That's mm-hmm. how he showers. That's how he shits. <laughs> Final vote. Unequivocally Cobra. I can't. I'm not mad. <laughs> Scott, I'm giving you... <clears throat> I'm going to make you take, because yeah. this is so important right here. I'm going to make you take a minute to try and sway us I'm not on over the top. <sighs> One minute, go. In a sea of over-the-top action films, which littered the 80s, Cobra does stick out in a way, but it's still just an action film in the 80s. It is full of excess. It's fun. But it's not heartfelt. I am going more with my heart on this one. Um, you hate that little fucking kid at the beginning of that movie. I wanted Sylvester Stallone. One of the guys says, I would like to see my father's papers or whatever, whenever he asks for, you know, credentials. I would have backhanded that little bastard. But by the end of the movie, you love that kid. And you see that, that bond grow throughout the film. He teaches him shit. Robert Loggia isn't the right the entire film because the dude literally is a long-haul truck driver. He has no home. But you know what? He got a brand new truck at the end of it. <laughs> and that's nice. And I love that film. So, fuck you guys. I like them both, but over the top. Perfect. All right. Uh, Tony, are you... Uh, he didn't sway shit for me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just made it do it. That's my nose, dude. Oh my god, I'm around drinking water. <laughs> you you just you just made me double down on my <laughs> on my pick. So going into the finals, we have the masterpiece that is Cobra and Scott Don't water. Don't say the water. Take your sip. Okay. Thank you. That was funny, you. but I gotta say that had um, if you had spit on me, I would be really fucking angry right now. I'm so, that's why I was trying to cover it at the same time. You did a good job, buddy. Oh, that sucked. All right, oh, this leads us to mad. our Eastern semifinal, and I think this is going to be the toughest one. Uh, I may be speaking out of turn here, but we have the Chuck Norris classic. Invasion USA, directed by Joseph Zito, and then we have Bloodsport, the action film that spawned one of the most profitable video game series of all time, albeit under a different name. Tony, you got two minutes on the clock. Go. Okay, this isn't a difficult choice for me. Uh, Bloodsport's based on a lie by a liar who wanted to be cool. It's a good movie. I like seeing Ogre. I like uh, Bolo Young. Is that his name? Bolo Young, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The brick thing was great. Dude, that's that's a great scene. It doesn't have shit. At no point is there a coat junk who smashed with a little metal <laughs> straw. That legitimately sent chills down my spine as a child when I saw that way too young. Like, that stuck with me. No, Invasion USA is the only right, true, and proper choice if... Unless you you hate the American Family Unit, the American Way of Life, America in general, and there's a lot of bad things to be said about our country. You know, unfortunately, the way we're having to pull out of Afghanistan, it's our modern day Vietnam. There's there's problems, but you know what we do when those problems happen? We confront them with Chuck Norris, and we win. So, Invasion USA, not even a little hesitancy. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Bef- you said something. I just want to capitalize on it before um, Scott takes his turn. I was saying earlier that Invasion USA is a shame it didn't get a sequel. Are you saying right now an eighty-year-old Chuck oh. Norris invasion Afghanistan needs to happen? Because I'm. Totally- I just got hard with the mention. Yes. All right, Scott. Invasion USA or Bloodsport? You got two minutes on the clock. Go. I did say from the beginning that there's one that sticks out above the rest of them. I do. You had me kind of leaning for a second because I love the montage of the training scenes and the stretching scenes of the when he's pulling him apart and he's like trying to get limbered up and shit. It's, it's great stuff. Bloodsport is a movie that I love watching. Um, it's a movie that I know my kids are growing up watching. They love it. I love Mortal Kombat, everything that it spawned. But. Norris. <laughs> I mean, hashtag Swamp Norris. And I'm, I, I, I've healed the rest of my time. All right. I guess uh, I'm going to make my argument now. Let's hear you sway me. Two minutes on the clock. This is hard because I genuinely love both of these movies. I own t shirts. 
of both of these movies. I own both of these movies on VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, and Blu-ray, and that is not a fucking lie. I love both of these movies. But in the spirit of what this Cannon Cup represents, I have to make the decision based off what is the best Canon film and not the best film. Which is hard, because I think both of these have... Fuck, they have they have things about them that sort of divide them and uh, from the from the pack, but also like apply themselves to the context of this Canon Cup. But I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go against my brain and go with my heart. I'm gonna go with Invasion USA. God damn right, Matt Hunter. You know, Walker Texas Ranger. <laughs> Under under a slight rewrite could have just been an Invasion USA TV show, and it would still be on the air. I yield my time. Well, technically, Walker, Texas Ranger is on the air. No. <laughs> no I just remember Haley Jaws been chiming, I have AIDS. <laughs> oh my god, the Walker, Texas Ranger lever from Conan O'Brien. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh. He just randomly punched the first time or something. He just randomly punched the woman who's driving the car. Ah, oh, good stuff. Oh my god. So we, we're reaching our, our, our nope. zenith here. This is testosterone here versus testosterone. I dread this next round. No, I knew it was going to come down to coming, 100%. Coming up in our main event, we mm-hmm. hit Cobra. Versus Invasion USA to declare an uncontested victor in the Cannon Cup tournament. But first, here's some messages from our sponsors. Hi there, my name is Austin Trinick and I am the author of the Canon Film Guide Volume 1 and the soon-to-arrive Canon Film Guide Volume 2. I was invited here, I had the honor of being asked to send a message to the show and talk about what I believe is the best, the best canon film produced under Golden Globus, the great B-movie moguls of the 1980s. Now, this is always a tough question for me. There are so many different ways I could do it. I could go with something weird and really far out, like The Apple or Tough Guys Don't Dance, these really strange movies that canon produced. Ninja 3, The Domination, another one like that. Or I could go purely look at this from an action standpoint. Canon made so many action movies. That was really their bread and butter. And these low to mid-budget action films are what they're known for. I could look at Invasion USA or Bloodsport or the Delta Force. There are a lot of good choices there. And all of them, if you had told me that was your favorite Canon movie, I would I would totally accept that. It's absolutely uh, a worthy answer. Or I could go for one of their more traditionally acclaimed movies, things that are critics liked and they legitimately received praise for um, in the press. Something like Runaway Train, which has Oscar nominations, Love Streams, John Cassavetti's last great film, or Barfly, which is a wonderful film desperately in need of a Blu-ray release. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a choice that is nostalgic for me. It's one of the movies that I grew up on made me fall in love with movies. I rented it over and over again as a kid going to the video store with my dad and then later as a teenager when I could rent R-rated movies myself at the age of 13. And that film is going to be Revenge of the Ninja, Sam Furstenberg's 1983 masterpiece starring Shokasugi. That film, beyond just being something that I has been a part of my life for so long and something I've loved for many years, that film 
in my opinion, hits the perfect sweet spot in this sort of spectrum of things that make canon awesome. On one end of the spectrum, it is a legitimately great action movie. You have some incredible stunts. Uh, stunt coordinator Steve Lambert and Shokasugi did amazing jobs with these with these fights, and you have a chase scene on top of that's on top of a van with Shokasugi being dragged behind a van. You have stuntmen scaling sides of skyscrapers out in Salt Lake City. Incredible stuff and some really mind blowing stunts in that. On the other side of things, it's also a movie that the director Sam Furstenberg he didn't take too seriously. It's it's got all the silly stuff that people love in B movies. You have Shokasugi's son doing flips and getting in fights, and he's this little kid. You have a grandma also doing flips and defending herself. It's clearly a stunt person standing in for the elderly actress, but it's very funny to see it happen. You have a gang dressed like the village people that hangs out on a local playground, and you have Shokasugi kicking them in the face and making them roll down the slide at the playground. It's just stuff that you have to scratch your head because it's so crazy. The the one the one sweet spot on top that seals the deal for me is the movie's last ten minutes, which are one long, dragged out, amazing ninja versus ninja showdown on a rooftop. And those ten minutes, the ten last ten minutes of Revenge of the Ninja are to me the pinnacle of ninja cinema. My choice. I will go out there and I will say that Revenge of the Ninja is my favorite canon movie. I'll even say that it's my favorite of all ninja movies. I, I will stand by that. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This is it, Ran Army. The moment we've all been waiting for. Cobra versus Invasion USA to decide the winner of the first and final canon cup. So here we are. Cobra versus Invasion USA. Who wants to go first? Because I don't. <laughs> I do. All right. Tony, you got two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, go. Cobra has a lot of the best of everything that is 80s action movies. His fucking sweet ass guns, the leather glove, the match, the glasses, the, the damsel in distress, the fucking iconic bad guy we haven't even talked about. I can never Brian remember. Brian Thompson. He is fucking amazing with the fucking knife of that. That being said, I will, I would rather smack my beloved Sarah than say it is superior to Invasion USA. Invasion USA as a canon movie, as an 80s action movie, as a what the fuck is going on here movie in general is the absolute superior choice. And I'm going to use part of my time here in my final two minutes to be like the, the first part of the clue for the money for my stepdaughters is that it will be in my bottom drawer. Y'all need to listen to this podcast or daddy's going to kill himself and it's going to be your fault. Oh, fuck. No, I'm just like, anyway, uh, the daddy part's gross. I will kill myself. It will be all your fault and your mother will, will blame you. <laughs> Listen to the podcast that she doesn't even listen to. Good job, Bree. I still have 40 seconds. <laughs> Chuck Norris single-handedly defended America from the communist scourge using nothing but his beard and badassness. I yield my time. Mm. Scott, I think the only th fair thing to do to decide who's going to go first is 
is that we do rock, paper, scissors. So on shoot. On shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right, you're going. Two minutes on the clock. Go. Um, I was really hoping it would not come down to these two. I was, as soon as you announced that, I did not want it to come down to these two. You got Norris, peak Norris, like the beard, the badassness against the most, probably the most stylish Stallone we've ever had, arguably. It's, uh, I will have, this is for the Canon Cup, not for the better movie or anything like that. We've already talked about the missing footage and how it's all chopped up and, uh, fuck it, it's Invasion USA. I'm, there's no point in even trying to argue with myself and try to convince myself otherwise. It's gotta be Invasion USA. It is what Michael Bay tries to be. I yield my time. Noise. I threw gang sounds when you said it. <laughs> I know I am not I'm not affiliated. <laughs> two minutes on the clock. I'm not gonna need all two minutes. I'll just say it real good. Three, two, one. It's Invasion USA. Oh, A clean sweep. Wow. When I think canon, yep. this is synonymous with canon. And while there are definitely better made canon movies. Uh, our good buddy Mick Strawn worked on Runaway Train. He also worked on uh, Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. So, so he he's he's on the fucking spectrum. So the 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 wide net that has been cast by Canon, um, there there's so much that has been caught within it. So many genres and so many types. But their bread and butter was always action movies. It was the one genre that they knew that they were going to be able to get their returns on. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Norris was like their fucking. Uh, uh, he was their Humphrey Bogart, you know? He was the guy that they had on retainer. Like, we need a fucking hit. Throw Chuck Norris in there. So, <sighs> there's only one answer, and it, it's a shame because I fucking love Cobra, and like Scott was saying, it is very stylish. Um, uh, there's a lot of elements to it that are just strange, and then, like, the more you watch it, the more you pick up on mm-hmm. it, and it's it's not strange in a bad way. It's strange in a unique way, and Invasion USA, I guess, in, in terms of, like, a, a visual film is less interesting, but explosions. Richard Lynch, who literally gets exploded. Um, just warfare on the American front and ridiculousness. This is the the... The fucking definition of the American flag waving, like Reagan, Reaganomic era of time, and like I said before, this is GI Joe the movie. And as a man who has GI Joe in his heart, I would be remiss not to crown the proper champion, Invasion USA, winner of the one and final definitive Cannon Cup. Hey guys, Woo! hey guys. Hashtag Swamp Norris. <laughs> Hashtag Swamp Hashtag Norris. Hashtag Swamp Norris. Ah! <clears throat> okay, but uh, before we close up shop, um, do you guys, are there any canon movies that we didn't really touch on that you'd kind of like just poke on really quick before we uh, close American up Ninja. shop? American Ninja. The Michael I mean, Dudikoff. Michael Dudikoff, man. I mean, the poor guy. I can't believe you didn't bring it up. I was expecting it to be on your list at least. I what? cannot believe American Ninja was on. I American fucking, Ninja I, came close and in, in, in both of them, military and ninja for me. Like, I grew up with all, like, even every time, like, what do they have, five? With the, four with Dudikoff and the fifth one didn't have? <sighs> 
we always rent them. Even really, though they're not really, great. really past the second one. Those aren't really canon movies. So, well, still American Ninja movies. <clears throat> like we always just loved them as good fun schlock back in the day. Um, Murphy's Law, the the yeah. Charles Bronson movie. That there's a lot of fun in that. Uh, <clears throat> we were out, you know, in, in between rounds. Kind of uh, commiserating on some of the films that should have been or could have been on the list. And Murphy's Law is one that I really like. Uh, <coughs> Messenger of Death, interesting Charles Bronson movie. Yeah. Um, God, there, there's just, there was so much depth to, to the craziness of canon. And I, we didn't even scratch the surface. And, uh, but we chose the cream of the crop and the correct right answer. I, I mean, I, I, I'm fairly confident that we'll we'll put this out in the ether, and I'd say an overwhelming majority will probably agree with us. Although I'm gonna, I'll just throw this out there. I know you're not a huge Bloodsport fan, but I know there's going to be people out there who will say Bloodsport, Bloodsport, and then also Death Wish Three probably, you know, belong you, in that. I would honestly prefer Death Wish Three to Bloodsport. Like I just. I prefer kickboxer to bloodsport because I hearing about the guy's whole lie and all the bullshit that guy is that did sour the movie in retrospect. So I grew up. shouldn't let it affect the film. I'm gonna say this: I, it actually makes the movie better to yeah. me knowing that he's a time cop. Doesn't have Ferris Bueller's girlfriend's titties. He yeah, or not yeah. time cop. Bloodsport doesn't have those titties. Uh, double team doesn't have what is it? Uh, what du- the basketball double, guy. Double team doesn't have shit. I want to see. So let's not. Let's. <laughs> hey, just... has Mickey Rourke tied to a bomb in a in the? Never mind. I can't defend it. It's just too bad. <laughs> but um, I guess my before we close up shop. Um, so <coughs> Canon Canon was um, masterful at taking low budget cinema and making it profitable and. The probably the modern equivalent of that would be Blumhouse. Yeah. Um, do you think that there there is a market now? I know the world has changed considerably, but do you think that Blumhouse could adopt a little more of the the aspects of canon in terms of like should they move away from strictly doing just horror or suspense and maybe do some uh, some schlocky action movies or or have we passed the point of their relevance in terms of money makers sadly if you're going to have an action movie be a moneymaker in this day and age, I think it has to be a big budget extravaganza because mm. we're so desensitized and we've seen everything that sadly, I don't think it'd be a smart move for them. Like, there's apparently three guys, big head. I'm going to go see it. I want to see it. Like the Marvel movies, the Fast and Furious movies, as much as I hate them, or I don't even hate them. I just, I feel like I'm psychic when I watch them because I know everything that's going to happen. I, one of the, one of the biggest, um, insults I've ever heard is like somebody who doesn't really know a lot about canon movies. There's like, man, you should love uh, the Fast and the Furious movies because they're just like canon movies. Like, no. Did you smack the taste out of this person? I, I would have I loved to, but it, was, I would, it was one of my employees. Uh, I don't work there. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, they're, they're, these movies had charm because they had to work around their budget and they it was very much like 
uh, the early James Cameron cinema where it's the the mother of invention, you know, is because of the mm-hmm. the lack of, you know, funds and and the the creativity came out because of these hurdles they had to go through. But he has family. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god. Uh, I do want to give oh. a, a quick shout out to Adam Fielding, uh, a fellow co-worker who does love Canon Films and uh, I know he's been very excited uh, about this episode and <laughs> I, I've filtered a lot of my ideas and my picks through him because it's 90% of the conversations he and I have at work is, is about Canon Films. So thank you so much Adam for participating. Did he have a for his favorite, uh, I, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I think he would probably pick differently on a, uh, yeah, given, I get on that. a, on a no, given day. That's the right answer. This could, yeah, depending on the day, this could have went completely <laughs> different. That's that's Maybe. true. That's true. And because this is the one and only time we're doing this, it's definitive. Yep, it's, it's, it's done. It's done. It's completely unscientific. But Invasion USA is the uh, unabashed champion, and for, will be forevermore. I do want to give a shout out to a lot of the people who um, helped us out with this episode. Um, uh, we've got uh, the writer of the Canon Film Guide, Austin Trenick. Oh, Thank you awesome. so much for participating. Um, hopefully, uh, some down, sometime down the line, uh, he and I will actually sit down and we'll do an interview because uh, I would just love to talk more Canon. I mean, Canon <laughs> is, is such Canon. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that we haven't even um, scratched the surface. And he, his first volume is 80 to 84. He's got another one coming oh, out, wow. so it'll finish out, uh, you know, the, the, late, the later part of the 80s, which is, you know, just as awesome in different ways, but it's an interesting uh, piece of history to be able to go through and kind of see the rise, the peak, the fall, the ebbs and flows of canon, and um, <clears throat> highly recommend highly re- recommend his book. Uh, also, shout out to uh, technical advisor here at the podcast, Jason Davis, who his pick was over the top. He gave us some awesome audio, and his, I've got to tell you, his arguments for over the top, I think if he had made those arguments here, we may be Talking differently about. Well, thank you, Jason. It's not going to be coming. Jason probably has compelling arguments, mm. and I do love over the top. But that being said, no. And uh, last but not least, our good buddy TJ Bowser from so many podcasts, I can't even name them all, but uh, the head honcho over at ProjectLadder.net. Please, please, please uh, check them out at ProjectLadder.net. Um, he picked Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And, um, it's a fine I, choice. You know, excellent choice. But he's obviously he was mm-hmm. going to be predisposed to go a little more in the horror route. Guys, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. This has been a ton of fun. I thank you so much for your contributions. And, uh, uh, we're going to be back later this month for a commentary for the early 80s exploitation film Maniac yes. on Rants After Dark. Then coming up. In October, we're going to have uh, some interesting things Halloween-related, so I'll leave that hang, and then we'll have some announcements soon. Uh, Till then, Rants from the Black Lodge podcast can be found on a multitude of platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so please give us a sub right now. You can find us on social media at Rants Black Lodge. Check us out on our homepage at JuicyKruger.com, and for the love of Cthulhu, go buy a t-shirt or a mug from our web store at RantArmy.com. For Fat Tony, for Fat Fuck Scott, this is Brandon A. Lane signing off. Till next month, Rant Army. Keep marching. Can I put the star up this year? Time for dinner. No one thought it could ever happen here. They are an army of international terrorists. America has not been invaded by a foreign enemy in nearly 200 years. 
Their target, America. Their objective, control. 18 hours from now, America will be a different place. Now, only one thing stands in their way. It's time to die. Didn't work, huh? Now it will. They wanted a war. See you in hell. He gave them one. Send me a postcard. Chuck Norris. Invasion USA.